3: Hello and welcome back to Generation Skywalker. Tonight we are taking a look at Obi-Wan Kenobi Season 1. Will there be a Season 2? We might well answer that. Not that we know, but let me introduce who is with me. I have got Craig. Hello there. Hello there. I've got Dan. Hello there. Hello there. And I've got Jez. Hello there. Hello there. There you go. And that wasn't rehearsed. OK, I've just sprung that on them and they, was, <laughs> they felt me. That was They felt me. If you're new to Generation Skywalker, you may not have listened to previous shows. We did a, a look through The Book of Boba Fett roughly about a month after that finished, where we went through episode by episode. We discussed the episode, what was good, what was bad. I don't actually know. I kind of roughly know what these boys think of the show and whether they liked it or not. So it'd be interesting tonight to delve into exactly what we liked and what we didn't with regards to kenobi that's what we will be doing we'll have a little discussion first then we will go through the six episodes and then concluding at the end hello there so let's talk the trailer first of all on the 9th of march we got a teaser trailer then we got a full trailer on the 4th of may let's just have a little listen to the main trailer
5: hidden
2: or we will not survive leave us alone when the time comes he must be trained
5: like you trained his father you still want Kenobi he's gone You've been looking in the wrong places. I want every lowlife and bounty hunter to squeeze him.
3: So we've got two trailers there, boys. We've got a, t- a teaser and then roughly two months later, we've got the main trailer. What were your thoughts going into this? I mean, there was many highlights coming out of those trailers. Did we all enjoy the trailers? Did it spike your excitement? It did.
4: I loved it. And I think it's part of our recent return back to Attack of the Clones where we've really got into the prequels and we started to appreciate them a lot more. So seeing some familiar seeing some new seeing these things which we've seen in the animated show the Inquisitors were a big deal but I think it will always get you in the feels when you hear Jewel of Fates when that dropped in the beginning or sort of part way through the teaser I thought that was brilliant we saw so many different things for me yeah really exciting I mean I was already ready for this
1: I think for me it was it was seeing Vader get assembled I, I was you know the whole thing for me was how much are we going to see Vader in this was it going to be a, you know a slow build up and we just see him in the last episode or was he going to be Throughout the series, I just assumed he was going to be in the last episode. But then, when they showed, showed those shots of him getting his arms attached and then he's you know, I think his, his chest piece going in, which looked quite painful actually, <laughs> I just thought that he just had that strapped on, but it looks like it's inserted into him. So yeah, it was yeah, it was it was really. Exciting that trailer for me, just because of that fact alone. But there was there was a lot more action in that second trailer, a lot more lightsabers being swung and blasters being fired. It looked good. It's Right to mention Attack of the Clones there, Jess, because we were right slap bang in the middle of recording. It was playing heavily on my mind, whole Anakin and Obi Wan stuff from you know going into Attack of the Clones like we did. It was exciting times.
0: I enjoyed the trailers. I thought they included lots of things that expected to see and wanted to see. A grizzled Obi Wan looking out for Luke in Tatooine. You know, you know, I like it when Star Wars breaks into popular culture and the the memes that it inspires, and that binocular or quad quadocular quadnox meme of uh, of him looking at <laughs> looking at Luke through the binoculars, and cutting to something else and looking back it was everywhere for, for for so many weeks afterwards. So you know, I think all that kind of helps the marketing <laughs> and and helps the word of mouth. It's sort of nice to see Star Wars just touching those pop culture buttons. But yeah, it's you know they're, they're good trailers. You know the Luke element, obviously a little bit of a misdirection, which we'll get to. But I really liked the uh, the lightsaber treatment of the Disney Disney Plus sting at the end. I thought that was that was really sweet.
4: Between darkness and defeat, hope survives. Really intriguing uh, series of lines there throughout the teaser as well. Craig nailed it with the misdirection because as soon as I saw a young Luke, I was like, oh wow, brilliant. But also, what the trailers showed you was, hey guys, this isn't just Tatooine. You know, we are going to different worlds and stuff. So said a lot.
0: The element of the, tra- the trailers that got everyone, I've got the, the fan community in a in a tears, was the the Grand Inquisitor and. He- the translation of him from the animated character from uh, from Rebels to his live-action uh, realisation and the fact that, you know, he wasn't quite the Powan, the U- Powen, the man from Utapowan with the long, pointy head uh, yeah. that, that he perhaps could have been, should have been. And I saw lots of yeah, I lots of people kind of saying he looked like Crichton from Red Dwarf. But, you know, the Star Wars community liked to, to get wound up about things. And I think that was the thing that, that wound them up uh, from these trailers. We had
1: it with Cat Bane as well didn't we in the last <laughs> in the book of boba <laughs> fett just you're never going to satisfy people that expect the cartoon to walk into the shot I'm, I'm sure yeah when it's
4: reversed and then animated shows show you or portray a kenobi or uh, obi-wan kenobi or any of the other characters anakin who you've seen in the prequels and then you see them in the animated you're like what well, doesn't look anything like them but you, they're allowed to get away with that because it's animated but or oh, woe we'll be tied anyone who does it the other way around excellent
3: well at this point then we were all on board also the teaser poster i mean we we discussed some of these teaser posters that came out is that one that would have appealed to you
1: nope (laughs) the first one was horrendous It's just some random bloke standing in the desert yeah not very inspiring not what i'm used to i mean you look at all the teaser posters they've done over the years you know the episode one poster you know even the stuff that was done for the sequel trilogy, you know the the exclusives that you could get, you know, at the cinemas or at San Diego Comic Cons. It was just, yeah, it was a bit naff, wasn't it?
0: I think at first sight, I would probably agree with you. It was a bit kind of like, yeah, okay, there's, no, there's nothing clever there. I think looking at it again, you know, particularly with a with a view to to talking about it tonight, you know, there's some stuff going on. You can see that there's the the brightness of Tatooine's being very overshadowed by darkness, and that's obviously. You know, one of the, the key themes and, and Obi-Wan's quite a small figure. He's in in the scenery, you know, he's a little bit adrift, which I guess says something about where he's at in his life. Uh, and he's carrying a blaster, which isn't the Obi-Wan that we thought we knew. And for me, you know, I think the little gift in all of this is the little lightsaber in the eye of the the, the title. It was a bit of a double take on that. It kind of works because of the, the gritty, sandy thing. But you know, it was a, a nice little touch.
3: Yeah, I think you're being quite harsh on it, Dan. When you say it's just some old bloke standing in the thing, I mean, we do know who he is.
1: But you look at the, uh, the posters we've had from, from Star Wars in the past, it didn't, I don't think it was a great, great Star Wars poster in the pantheon of Star Wars posters. I think some of the stuff they released later on for it, brilliant. It was great seeing billboards when I was driving down the road from where I live. there was a couple of big billboards throughout, you know, with the silhouette of, of well, a kind of a portrait picture of, of Obi-Wan with Vader in the distance behind him. There was the one they did for the celebration when I showed it there, they everyone got a free poster. Brilliant. But this one, I didn't, yeah, I didn't think it was good at all. Didn't tell you anything about the series. They're so desperate to keep everything secret. It's just they don't want to give anything away.
4: But we'll come on to some of the secrets, and I'm so glad they did this. It's just, Obi-Wan's coming. What you've got there, though, what we we haven't discussed is, right, so initial look at that, you've got him quite clearly on uh, familiar territories. You've got the uh, twin sun setting there. But then behind him, you've got some serious cloudage going on and you could say that they're sort of cumulonimbus or no cumulus rain bearing they're dark clouds right there's darkness here so you just look at the interpretation of that and think it's not all clear it's not all rosy and jim there's some bad stuff there's some darkness here but there's still a shining light at the bottom coming through that's what you see
0: can i ask a question to the group at this point we knew the show was coming and then it landed and my question to the to the team is do you think the show had the right name is it, is it enough to call these shows just by the names of the characters just expand on that a little bit you know stars is so huge i think it just helps to have a little bit more like the book of boba fett ultimately the book bit didn't mean anything but it it just helped that show find its place in this big expansive franchise so you know we've got like obi-wan kenobi figures on an obi-wan kenobi card back and just googling the show is hard you know to find things that reference it so i just thought i just wondered if anyone else had that kind of view that it was a bit generic as a name for the show
1: i know, I know what you mean <laughs> <laughs> jinx yeah i mean I, I i i always thought they'd just call it kenobi because he's to be ben kenobi could be obi-wan kenobi so
0: like solo a star wars story
1: yeah so the fact that they expanded it to specifically obi-wan kenobi could strike me as a bit odd but then i don't know what else i mean i suppose it's about name recognition the same as having boba fett in the title people who know style or don't even know styles like we do know who obi-wan kenobi is whether you're ot or prequel trilogy fan you know that character is and you know what you're gonna get or you you think you know what you're gonna get but yeah it could have done with a obi-wan kenobi and uh Something, something, something.
3: Possibly. I thought Canopy absolutely worked. It's his story, wasn't it? I quite like it. I mean, until you come up with a better idea, I'm not having it. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I mean, Dan's I know, just gone, we could have called it Ben Kenobi and the Dark Lord. I mean, that sounds like a Harry Potter title, Dan.
0: I'm sure they had these discussions, you know, but it feels a bit like a working title that made it into reality. I mean, they're calling it the Ahsoka show Ahsoka, you know, so I don't know. I just think it makes it hard for a show to stand out in because it's such a huge universe in, online and just in canon and not canon and the franchise as a whole. I just think making these show stand out is something that you should probably think about
4: but stand out it has done i mean you just look at it and it's the most successful disney plus show they've ever had i, I know what you're saying great i know what you're getting at i quite like this title i prefer obi-wan kenobi to kenobi uh, but it's you know we've all got different tastes and horses for courses and everything but i don't think it's affected anything people were waiting for this people were thirsty for this you had all of the generations wanting this unlike you know when and I love Solo, a Star Wars story, by the way. But when that came out, you know, people were, could nah, take it or leave it. And because of the actor going to be playing it, people again could take it or leave it. Whereas this, people have been waiting years for this. I'm not going to get wrapped around the axle with the name.
5: He's alive, Obi Wan. He kill you. been looking for you for a long time
3: he's coming master right okay so let's dive into this then because there's going to be quite a bit to talk about here so let's take ourselves through the episodes and we're going to go to no titles on these shows, but uh, all just um, titled as their episode number. So first of all, part one aired for the first time on May 27th, 2022, and it was directed by Deborah Chow. Now, Craig, I know you boys all enjoyed doing these synopsis for a uh, book of that. <laughs> we're going to do it again, Craig. Yeah,
0: go. these are great. I'm going to try and keep the editorial content to a minimum and just kind of give the straight story and we'll chat about what we thought afterwards yeah Mm -hmm. okay so this is episode one and it's all about the setup so where's obi-wan what's he up to who or what is he up against and we start with a beautifully edited recap of the events of the prequel trilogy very nicely done and, and runs through all the beats of the of the story so far. Before we open up for real on a newly filmed scene of Order 66 being carried out in the temple where we see a class of Jedi children running away after their teacher is gunned down by clone troopers. Then we jump forward 10 years to Tatooine and we see a ship touch down, the ramp opens, and we meet the Inquisitors who are dark side users sent to seek and destroy any remaining Jedi So they proceed to shake down a local cafe on the hunt for one of the said Jedi, who gives them the slip after things get a bit tasty. We know that the Grand Inquisitor is the one in charge, but it's the third sister, Reva, who is clearly being presented as the one to watch. She's crueler and she's taking more violent measures in the pursuit of their duties. And she's also very vocal in her determination to track down Obi-Wan Kenobi, who she sees as a bigger catch. So we see some of the tensions and the infighting as the Grand Inquisitor puts her in a place. Meanwhile, we go to see Obi-Wan, who's living in solitude, keeping himself to himself, laying low, he's sleeping in a cave, he's working a job processing meat from a big sand whale. He's also in contact with a Jawa trader called Tika, who he has an encounter with and, and happens to mention a Jedi ship that them. She salvages out in the Waste and Obi-Wan shrugs off any idea that the Jedi are returning, adamant that there's no more Jedi out there. And at night we see him haunted by dreams of his past failures and he's frustrated at his inability to to contact Qui-Gon like Yoda said he'd be able to in the uh, in the prequel recap <laughs> So as all fans know, Obi-Wan's living this life so we can keep an eye on Luke, which he does from afar, occasionally dropping off supplies, including the T-16 ship that we see Luke play with in A New Hope. On the way back to his cave, after checking on the Lars homestead, he runs into Nari, who was the Jedi that escaped from the cafe, and he's looking to Obi-Wan for help. But Obi-Wan is having none of it. He encourages him to bury his lightsaber and to move on with his life stating that the fight is over, we lost, and that the time of the Jedi is over. And then it jumps unexpectedly. In stark contrast to Life on Tatooine, we get to see Alderaan and meet a spirited 10-year-old Leia, who's mischievously skipping out on important political events to play in the woods, where she sits in a tree and she's identifying starships with her small droid companion who's called Lola. In town the next day, we're back with Obi-Wan and Uncle Owen throws the toy spaceship back to him, saying to stay away from Luke. The Inquisitors are still around and Reva singles out Owen from all the townsfolk to threaten while Obi-Wan kind of cowers and hides in the shadows. Back in Alderaan, Leah gets kidnapped by a gang of ne'er-do-wells led by Flea from the Red Hot Chili Peppers, which prompts her adoptive parents Bale and Bria to contact Obi-Wan on his dusty old comlink for help. And Obi-Wan refuses, saying he's not the man he was. After another hard day at the space whale processing plant, Obi-Wan sees Nari the Jedi strung up for the whole town to see. He returns to the cave to find Bail Organa has arrived in person and convinces him that Leia is just as important as Luke and that they now know that she's been taken to a planet called Dayu. So we see little Leia with her captors um, using Lola to break her binds. Flea arrives and destroys the little robot in front of her. And it is revealed that the whole plan was concocted by Reva to draw Obi-Wan out of hiding. And it works. Obi-Wan digs up his lightsaber out of the sand and he boards a transport off-world.
3: Perfect, mate. So there's lots to dig into here. First of all, that recap at the start. Beautiful, wasn't it? Absolutely brilliantly put together. Just made you love the prequels. That little bit more. Yeah, it's great.
1: Loved it. Yeah, same. Here. I thought it was brilliant. Just to catch anyone up who hadn't seen the prequels for a while.
3: Yeah, just nice. Just nicely put together. Thoroughly enjoyed that. And also, obviously, Obi-Wan arriving on the OP. She obviously dropped Luke off at the end of Revenge of the Sith. So kind of a, a nice tie-in again to the prequels. So what do we think of this first episode? What do we love about it? What do we learn about it? Come on, let's get some conversation flowing.
1: I, I think it was. I think it's definitely one of the strongest episodes out of all of them. It was a really good start. I think it was one of the longest episodes as well. I think it was like fifty minutes long.
4: Yeah, um, it was. I've I, I got all the minutes. Sorry, here Lengthwise, this was the longest. It was fifty-six, including the intro, which was four minutes, and the
1: uh, credits. Yeah, I was kind of hoping they were all going to be that long. <laughs> it's a bit disappointed when they weren't. I thought we, they, they, they they sucked you in with an hour-long episode, but it was you know it covered a lot of ground. I think for me, the positive is just seeing, you know, Obi-Wan downtrodden that way. It's kind of what you'd expect him to be at that stage. You know, he's he's working on that meat plant. He's trying to cover up his tracks. He doesn't want people to know who he is. I think I was surprised to see him living in a cave and not living in his his little house that we find him in in, in episode four. The bits for me, and this will be a bit of a through line, is the Inquisitors. I, I have got a problem with this whole Inquisitor storyline with this, and I will get this out there, get this out there up front. So just tell me with this right so the inquisit the inquisit has come to tatooine however they're not there looking for kenobi or well, the only purpose really of them being there the only thing that it drives in the story is that Reba meets owen and finds out he's got a family that's the only reason for them being there then inexplicably she dispatches flea from the red hot chili peppers to go and kidnap leia because oh, because she, she she remembered that obi-wan once knew bow so why wait until then and waste a trip to tatooine I, it, these i know it's it's kind of you got to go with the flow a little bit with these things but I I really struggled with that how that jumped from Leia being kidnapped to oh yeah Reaver's set it all up just just out of nowhere it just it just wasn't set up well at all I didn't think that part of it
4: well maybe she's just trying to fight battles on different fronts as you do in warfare you know so she's you hedge your bets don't you you don't put all your eggs in one basket and every other example <laughs> you can give so yeah she's following the Grand Inquisitor she's with the others and they are looking for other Jedi. There was another Jedi, which we've already discussed, Craig covered. She's determined. She doesn't want the small prize. She wants Kenobi, this, that and the other. But whilst they're also searching and looking for that, she's trying a different thread. It's uh it works for me. You can't you can't convince me of any wrongdoing that way, Dan.
1: It just it just makes the galaxy too small. She's literally standing next to Kenobi hiding in a hole hiding in a little stable, talking to Owen, who's the who's the uncle of the child that she's sending someone else to kidnap on the other side of the galaxy without knowing any of that. It just it, it just didn't sit well with me.
4: But we're used to that throughout the entire franchise, you know, we we see a very small glimpse. This is why Star Wars can go on forever because we can see different stories because we've seen such a sort of myopic view at the moment of the galaxy. I mean, who knew? Episode four got a hero who ends up funny old thing rescuing his twin sister. I mean, you know,
1: yeah, talk about uh, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. But what all I'm trying to say is there was no the only reason they went to Tatooine was to serve the story to say at the end of the story when we get to episode six was to say does she knew to go after Luke. That's the only reason they are on Tatooine.
4: They might have been following other threads, looking for different things. You know, they're, <laughs> they're, they're, <there's, laughs> the
3: other, the other Jedi. Because
4: uh, they've been doing, doing this t- for ten years. Let, let's, what you haven't seen there, Dan, is the previous nine years and eleven months of them going to every other planet looking for people. We just happen to see a snapshot, very much like, for example, slightly digressing. But if you, if you had a, some sort of reality TV show, which followed a series you know a load of couples for six months whilst they renovate some houses you're only going to see a few episodes lasting 30 minutes and you're not going to see the full picture we happen to see glimpses of a galaxy far far away it's all working it's just open your mind it's all good what's your name Owen
5: Owen farmer right wife kids
2: my family's of no concern to you.
5: They might be. You got a Jedi on that farm too? No. Why should I believe you? I have no love for the Jedi. Jedi of vermin. I kill vermin on my farm. You protect your family. I like that one. It's important. You think you could protect them from me? Tell me where the Jedi is, or this man and his family die! The Jedi are cowards. They failed you. Abandoned you. There is no point in protecting them. They would not do the same for you.
0: It wasn't something that that bothered me as I was watching it. I mean, they're an interesting bunch, aren't they? Because they're the dark side users, but there was a lot of this around. Well, you're too impulsive, and you're too cruel, and you're too violent, and you do this and you do that. I thought that's what the dark side was all about. I thought they were all in on that. <laughs> you know, that felt a bit, that felt like I, you know maybe I'm, I don't appreciate the nuances of their. Their little gang but i wasn't sat scratching my head because there was so much other good stuff to enjoy yeah i'm going to run through a few bits
4: <laughs> if you'll allow oh, craig craig before you jump into the good bits i completely agree with you right but let's just go to that for a second if, if i may okay. we're used to that through the entire franchise imperial's bicker right go to uh a new hope all right this bickering is pointless case in point they're there arguing right the the baddies like to have a little bit of an argument and you then see this in rogue one they're, they're bickering uh, and the, the imperials bicker and sort of try one-upmanship in empire and then even in the uh, sequel trilogy as well we see it you know you see hux and then you see kylo there's always bickering amongst the baddies it's just what they do anyway craig give us your good bits
0: i think there were some really nice little nods and moments like in all these things i think um I think there are lots of echoes of Luke on Act with Obi-Wan in his cave, but also Ray, with him making his little meal that kind of miraculously kind of bulks itself out. I think the opening of the the, the montage is, is Anakin on the pod race. And then we see Luke sat astride the the homestead just pulling those moves, you know, pulling the moves of, of Anakin on the pod race. And even the goggles are similar. So there's there's lots of that kind of stuff going on. I think the purchase of the T-16 toy from the Jawa is like a real nod to vintage toy collectors. The Jawa wants 100 and Obi-Wan offers 50, to which Tika replies it's very rare and they don't make them anymore. <laughs> <So laughs> nice. No. what was really playing to the gallery. But, you know, bits bits where, where, where it cuts from Leo's identifying ships in a tree and rattling off all of these scenarios of where they might be going and what they are to Obi-Wan... Trying to give Luke a toy spaceship and saying Luke needs to know there's more to the galaxy. I I think, you know, for every little bit of kind of sloppy writing, there's a really nice writing. And, you know, they're they're just uh, a couple of examples. I'm I'm sure we've got more.
3: I love the the little droid that uh, Leia carries in the film, Lola, L-O-L-A-5-9. Carrie Fisher had a little bird when her mother used to go on tour that she used to carry around when she was 10. And she is 10 oh. in that film. So that's a lovely little connection. And there's a fantastic photo of her as a 10-year-old with that bird. And actually, the casting's pretty good as well, when you see Carrie Fisher at that age. Yeah, so I thought that was a lovely little nod to Carrie Fisher.
1: It was nice as well when he dug up his lightsaber mannequins with his, with, there with it as well. He's got to have it somewhere, and he? he gives it to Luke. <laughs> even <laughs> though, cool. even though, if someone had attacked Luke, he'd have had to go into the middle the desert, dig up his lightsaber, and then get back there before he was dead. <laughs> we'll, 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 we'll skip over that. There's
4: plenty of ways that there's, you know, as Ben would say, there there are more ways to fight. You know, there's. Stop it, Dan. Right, you, you're not going to get through to me tonight. I I have the light with me. All right, you want good bits from episode one? Go and make a brew all right go make a cup of tea
1: because i, I did like it i'm just i'm just this. look there's the problem with this series and i'm going to keep digging away at these plot holes because they yeah i will i will it's not yeah. the fact that it's a bad series there's just gaping holes in it that are driving me nuts
3: can i be honest with you you're i didn't i didn't jump in earlier when you were moaning that she'd gone to tatooine but in the whole grand scheme of things that is the most minuscule pointless yeah. reason to dislike something no, that I've ever I'm not, heard. No, it's build, than it's enjoying up. what you're watching building not. up.
1: It's I oh. I enjoyed what I watched at the time because I hadn't seen all, all six episodes, but I can't talk about that episode now <laughs> without thinking about what happens at the end. All right, Dan.
4: Well listen, I'm gonna do a deal with you, mate. We've known each other a long time. I'm gonna open up my mind. You've convinced me in the past. You've given me continuity errors <laughs> in the past in films <laughs> and you and you know that you've ruined films for me. However What I'm going to do is when we talk about some of the absolute special moments, some of the phenomenal acting and some of the writing and and just some of the bits. I just want you to sort of say actually on balance. What a a great series. Let's look at this. And this is a mutual handshake between me and you that we will listen to each other. We'll respect what we're going to say. But there are issues. All right. Before we go on. I love the original trilogy, of course I do, we all do, but there's elements of the original trilogy, which I'm like, ah, oh, you know, that still irritates me. When they did the special editions in 1997, I was still like, can't they get the rank all right? You know, there, there are issues with the OT for me, but I still adore them. So whilst I recognise that for me there are some problems which I've got in Kenobi, I adore this for so many reasons. Um, but what I would have to say is one of the first things is young Leah. I, I did not see this coming. I never saw it coming and for that reason I absolutely love it because throughout the entire series, I know we're only talking about episode one, but the resilience, the feistiness, the consideration, the leadership, everything that she gives, I mean, that's phenomenal casting. I agree. I've
1: got no problem. We'll talk about Leah for yeah. every episode and I haven't got a problem at all. Of course you, with, you haven't the, got with, a problem. With, with, with it of course you haven't got a problem. No one's having a problem. <laughs> i'm gonna i'm gonna turn it back positive
3: there's there's a lovely connection to a new hope isn't it when bale says to obi-wan she needs you obi-wan and then Leia's line in a new hope is obi-wan you're my only hope i think there's definitely a connection and a between this those threads two lines.
4: this threads so many movies and so many you're absolutely right and we'll we'll go on to that and some of the reflections and the mirroring it's so beautifully well done uh, it, it's really good but also whilst we've and we are going to see some darkness and some real wow disney behave moments what we also get in this is the humor throughout i mean the the humor the relationship the the humor banter between obi-wan and tika the jawa you know and he's just clearly robbing him blind, and he's like yeah you stink And, and and that is all brilliant i loved i adored the relationship between uh bail organa Bria organa and their child, you know, and as that actually warms in and develops throughout the series. Brilliant. I loved the way she burnt her cousin. She just destroyed her cousin, which was which was great. And I was just like, yeah, that's classic. But what I also really, really liked about this, and I want to get into it now, is the lived in dirty set. This was a really believable set the way in which it was the marketplace. There was a, it took about half a second. There was an aerial pan as they went down the street and on the roof of, of one of these buildings was peeling paint, sunburn peeling paint off of the roof. It, none of it just looked like it had just been made you know, in a, in a film studios. It was just really, really well done. The attention to detail on the set I thought was very, very good what irked me at the beginning was the lack of memorable sort of themes, musical uh, melodies which we've got used to and, and, and themes and stuff but I think the final episode obviously which we could eventually get on to when I shut up was more the better for it but what you did have littered throughout this was gong droid sound and, and various different sounds which we love so for for me for that first episode it caught me off guard with the Leia-Luke misdirection, and I just thought it was delightful.
1: The, the Leia piece, obviously they, 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 they're quite subtle with it through the series, but she's obviously got some low-level force abilities that she's using. She's talking to an Obi-Wan a couple of times in later episodes, and she's kind of trying to read him, the same as she was with her cousins. I think that's her kind of secret Jedi skill, isn't it, that she can read people, and that's why she's such a good senator. When we catch up with her in episode four, that yeah that, that's my that's in my head anyways that's what yeah. i took away from it
0: and just to pick up on the the points about casting that could have gone so wrong you know they we're hinging so much on that relationship and that young actress and we've seen it before where it's not quite pulled it off and you could already hear them mumbling words a bit like uh, amiga and the bad but it's a bit like Grogu and mandalorian they're just repeating the formula but i think she just won everyone over so good yeah
4: hundred percent and I, I think that's a great opportunity to now talk about Reva about Moses Ingram because I remember the conversation, the excited conversation which I had back and forth with Grant just after watching this episode. I was like, Reva is badass she she's possibly one of my favorite baddies for ages. I thought the way in which she was speaking to people. There's a real menace about her that if you've been in trouble or town or there's, you know, some sort of local gang or or sort of issues on a night out or if you're in a bit of a dodgy area, the way in which when she was interacting with Owen and she was getting real close to him, talking to him with her head tilted forward slightly, that's a very aggressive. But it, it, it was, you know, she wasn't raising her voice. She was just talking to him quietly so no one else could hear what was going on. But the subtle tilt of her head towards him in a real, if you don't do what I say, I'm going to stick a nut on you. You know, forget the fact that I've got a lightsaber next to me. She was menacing. But then she came across as unhinged because she'd go from sort of quiet, controlled, menacing to shouting. So you didn't know if you were coming or going with her. I didn't think she was OTT. Not in episode one. I just thought she was a really menacing character. who was, it was quite scary. I, th- I thought she was
3: spot on. I was surprised when I saw the the actual hate for her online, which is just, it's just nonsensical to me that someone can act as something and then people can make someone's life so crappy. Yeah, they didn't like a character you're playing. I have just. I think, I think people need to have a good long, hard look at themselves. We said it before, actually. It's not the first time we've brought this up on the podcast. I think we might have even had it during the Book of Boba Fett or something that someone was hated. But I just, um, yeah, I don't understand it.
4: But it's really weird because, you you know, people can dislike characters, but you don't assassinate them. You don't ruin them. I mean, there's, we'll come on to it later on, the character um, Hadja. You know, some people won't like him, you know, the, the fake Jedi. And he, he didn't get dragged over the coals. It's it's a racism, sexism thing here. People, what they want about actresses and and, and script writing and stories. As I said to you, before any of that came out, I just thought she was absolutely brilliant. But then following her on Instagram and seeing her stories, which were posts of the hatred which she had been sent, the absolute, oh, the vitriol, the vile nature of what she was being sent, to the extent where. We'll probably play it. The um, the Twitter, the tweet which Ewan McGregor crushed. You know, so he was so up for the fact that it had done so well, but then he gave a message to the so-called Star Wars fans, essentially just calling them out and saying, as far as he's concerned, they're not welcome and they're not Star Wars fans, and, and quite right too, because that was just it was just out of order. You, you don't do that to people.
2: This weekend, Star Wars fans made uh, Obi Wan Kenobi the most watched Disney Plus original series premiere of all time. And for that, I would say a big thank you. And uh, it just goes to show what this family can do when we all pull together. However, um, it seems that some of the fan base from this influential fan base have decided to attack Moses Ingram online and send her the most horrendous racist DMs. And I heard some of them this morning and it just broke my heart. Moses is a brilliant actor, she's a brilliant woman, and she's absolutely amazing in this series. She brings so much to the series, she brings so much to the franchise. And it just sickened me to my stomach to hear that this had been happening. I just want to say as the leading actor in the series, as the executive producer in the series, that we stand with Moses, we love Moses. And if you're sending her bullying messages, you're no Star Wars fan in my mind. There's no place for racism in this world and uh i totally stand with moses
4: i can see here the um the message which i sent her <laughs> on instagram just thinking oh you know i wonder if this will get through because what followed the the hatred was just an absolute outpour and a love and then you saw her come out the other side where she did you know she did post about the positives to come out of it and we just got this time and time again the vocal minority of people just really lets the side down but absolutely unacceptable the worst of social
3: media it really is let's just let's just bring it back then anthony daniels c-3po in the background in order on that is his 11th live action appearance in star wars show or film
0: in his element the first time ever <laughs> yeah. being a protocol droid at a senator's reception
3: Yes, he just looked like I don't know if you've you've watched actually him during that scene. He's he's proper translating, isn't he? There's two people talking, and he's translating after every line said by one of them. So it's lovely to see in the background. But, uh, yeah, yeah. And Arty's
0: in there as well, isn't he? He's in he's in the background doing something
3: like that. And also like the um, the nice little quote about the Pergil, the wild space creatures. Mm-hmm. Nice to have them name dropped in there because we saw them in Rebels back in. One of the early series of that, 2014, 2015, somewhere around there. And and Craig, question for Craig. Yes, mate. Tika. Yes. Is that the first Jawar we've ever heard
1: named
0: in a in a in a live action series or show? I think it probably is.
1: Wow. I think as well with that. I know we I know we mentioned it with um, with Tika telling Kenobi that he smells, and that coming from a Jawar after what C3PO says about him in Episode <laughs> yeah. Four must mean that he's he really stinks. I felt quite sorry for him actually. Great spot.
0: Okay, so there was, there was one other bit which I think is quite significant, but was a, almost a throwaway little exchange and a bit of character building. But it's when Leah's having a conversation with um, her cousin, and it's and it sort of speaks of how they're sort of keeping her on the down low while still being a high-profile royal. So there's a little moment where he says, "You know, father says they don't even let you leave the planet because they don't want anyone to know about you because you're not a real Organa." I thought it was really interesting that you know she was growing up in this position, but they were still very wary of. Just her her profile.
3: First of all, let's go to the ratings. So IMDb have got this at a 7.4 out of 10. Actually, most of the series, four of the six shows are in the sevens. One is a six and one is an eight. So, you know, there seems to be a general consensus where this is. And and on IMDb, this was ranked the fourth best out of the six. So in the bottom half. And I wonder whether that collated with what we found out within We Are Generation Skywalker We rated it 4.2 out of 5 So if it was out of 10 that would be an 8.4 So a bit higher but it was also Ranked the 4th out of 6 So Dan I know you said it's your Second favourite episode That's uh, It is in the bottom half of both IMDB and Generation Skywalker generally So interesting to see where those rankings Go over the course of this evening
5: You've made mistakes we all did It's the past Move on be done with it You couldn't save Anakin, but you can save her. And what if I can't? There is no one I trust more with my child than you. Please, old friend, for her, one last fight.
3: So, let's go on to part Two. This was also aired for the first time on the 27th of May 2022 And again was directed by Deborah Chow A Bit shorter this one, 12 minutes shorter I believe Dan, you
1: have got the synopsis So after tracking Flea from the Red Hot Chili Peppers to the planet Dayu Kenobi encounters Conman Haja who pretends to be a Jedi. Haja directs Kenobi to Leia's location and he rescues her. The Inquisitors put the city into lockdown. Reva disobeys orders and places a new bounty on Kenobi, causing the hunters around the city to target him. When Leia realises they are after Kenobi, she runs away. Escaping to rooftops with the hunters in pursuit, Leia falls and Kenobi saves her using the Force. Haja finds the pair and directs them to an unguarded cargo ship on which they can escape. But Haja fails to stop Reva from following them. Reva reveals to Kenobi that Anakin lives. The Grand Inquisitor arrives to arrest Kenobi himself, but Reva stabs him with her lightsaber, inadvertently allowing Kenobi and Leia to escape. Kenobi is shaken by the news Anakin survived their previous encounter, and the episode closes with Vader awakening in his back tank. Lord Vader will be pleased. You didn't
5: know. He's alive, Obi-Wan. Anakin Skywalker is
2: alive.
3: What did you think, Dan? Let's let's stay with you for a minute. What's what's irking you this time?
1: I think it was it was I think it was a pretty good episode. I think the bit the only bit that irked me this time was the fact the Inquisitor got stabbed and killed, apparently. But we all know he's alive in Rebels. I was pretty certain it was the same character, and kind of yeah, they let it play out the whole the entire series without ever explaining it, which for me was really infuriating but the episode itself i thought was really good i like the interaction between kenobi and leia and her the distrust at the start and then seeing all the different bounty hunters there i don't know what they call them their pucks lighting up is that what they were pucks showing them kenobi's picture and they all like start searching for him and clambering through the city i'd really liked it kind of reminded me of return of the jedi when luke was hiding from vader in emperor's in the emperor's throne room and she's kind of Vader's goading Luke but here obviously Reaver's goading Obi-Wan and gives him the news that Vader's still alive and he looks yeah completely shocked and he's, he's kind of grasping his lightsaber and you're kind of thinking at that, that, that moment they're going to engage in a lightsaber battle and you're kind of worried about Obi-Wan because he doesn't look like he's up to the task at this point of even beating Reaver. so there was a bit of a tension there I thought but yeah it was it was a good episode I thought. Again, I loved
4: it. I mean, we're so spoiled. This is brilliant. Biggest issue for me, you know, the, the slow chase, you know, oh, I've lost you again. Oh, I've lost you again. That aside, there were loads of things I really, really loved about this. Leah's just cheekiness coming out even more. Yeah, the sort of parkour chase. I, I can take it or leave it. The The fake Jedi, I initially didn't like him. So there was a few things, you know, going against it, but actually all building together, the world building. And then you had the whole thing at the end when the credits came up, the fact that I know this is a tiny little Easter egg. And and this is Craig's world more than most with the expanded universe. But Corrin. Corin Horn and his seismic mother
0: Easter egg. This is seismic.
4: <laughs> exactly <laughs> seismic Easter egg. But um, so I'll allow Craig to sort of, but when I say allowed, that's uh, it's awful. Um, Craig will do a much better job than me explaining all about how significant this is and for future sort of Star Wars canon as well. You know, exciting stuff. It it, it was a good episode. It, it was you know. Chasey. I, I didn't like it as much as the first because I think I was so sort of surprised and taken in with the first but let's face it this one was just 42 minutes Um but again you, you saw him starting to be able to fight a little bit at this stage still no lightsaber or anything like that uh, but some really good creatures you had a sort of crocodile head man you had uh, the droid who looks like Fallon slash Zuckus uh, given a different name so yeah we're all building I thought it was all good and I believe that the young sort of drug dealer was um, Ewan McGregor's daughter.
3: Yes, Joe, you know I, lo- I love you this up, Jez, because did you like her line?
4: Yes, when I'm goes someone's to daughter.
3: To I was somebody's daughter once too, yeah. And it's kind of yeah. like, yeah, teeth are great, she, yeah.
4: Yeah, she gives a sort of a cheeky look as if to say, yeah, we've got issues. Now, you know, that that was nice. Nice little thing. What do you need? About some information. I'm looking for my daughter. She was
2: taken and she's on this planet.
1: If she's here, you're never going to see her again.
5: Nobody leaves this place. I was someone's daughter once, too. Here. That one's free. A couple more of those and you'll forget she ever existed.
4: Uh, And make me float. You know, that was the whole make me float. And obviously then she did with him slowly getting his force powers back. Good episode. Probably my least favourite, if I'm being honest with you. still a great
1: episode i like the fact that they had a clone trooper in there tomorrow morrison was there oh yeah hobo that that was a nice touch
3: yeah it's good they got him to come and film it as well wasn't it and they didn't
1: yeah yeah very good
3: when we recorded the book of overfet we there was a lot of um a lot of mirroring of other films which when i delved i had a little look through that for this film and there isn't actually a great deal of that going on in kenobi but during this um this is a bit of a deep dive to be fair but do you know the Spice Laboratory they go into during the film where Obi-Wan dresses up? There's a background sound in there going on. And that sound is literally lifted from a film called The Man in the White Suit from 1951, which Alec Guinness was the main role in it. So they do still have those little connections wow. and little clever things in there going on all the time. You've got to take your hat off and things like that.
0: Because he worked in a lab, didn't he? They created the suit that never got dirty. So presumably his lab sounds of. Have- Gurgling, potty,
3: yeah, yeah. (laughs) Jez, you just mentioned aliens and things. You know, when Leia's um, she's running away and she runs, she runs away from Obi-Wan, she runs through the long legs, yeah, yeah. So, that's actually if you go and watch the deleted scenes from A New Hope, the stormtrooper search, that's, that's a homage to that. And I never realised until I saw that, that that actual deleted scene, we should have brought this up back two years ago, that deleted scene is playing on all the monitors in the holiday special. Never knew that. No. Brilliant. <laughs> yeah, real random random bits they pick up on.
0: So there were, there were a few things I, I noted down, uh, and I can't believe Jez didn't mention the Rebel troop transport at the cargo port.
3: Oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> lovely. I think it got a, a couple, of, couple of shots. Blink and you'll miss it, but it, it was it was definitely there. Yeah, I, I I really enjoyed this episode. I think the things that let let it down for me are a, are a point that kind of runs through the whole thing. and We'll talk about that a bit more, but I think sometimes, and I think this is because we've seen so much behind the scenes stuff now with uh, the Mandalorian sort of gallery shows on uh, on Disney Plus. But you know, you start looking for where the join is on the volume, and I think it was really apparent in some of the scenes in in Daivu. And in other places, that's that, that was kind of one of the things that, that, that let it down for me. As Jess mentioned, Corin Horn, regular listeners will, will remember our knockout competition during Book Month last October, where we pitted potential characters from the expanded universe, the old legends expanded universe against each other. And I think it was Corran Horn versus Nominor in the semis, which Jez was backing Nominor and went on to win. But but Corran, you know, was a real key character in um, the Rogue Squadron books, and we know that there's still talk of Rogue Squadron movies. So it was really nice to see character being brought in. But the the Horn connection doesn't end there; it continues, which I'll bring up at the timely moment. But the ending of of Anakin's reveal was particularly uh, cool, where it sort of started to introduce him in there yeah I, I really enjoyed the first two episodes i could i couldn't fault a lot of it really i was i was in for the ride i think you know there is a real turning point which we will get to um, where it does take a dip but for me episode two was, was was really good
4: and i wanted now to correct dan or just give dan a little bit of you know worldly uh, war sort of this is how it's done you know, you were talking, you, you're concerned about the Grand Inquisitor, and you were like, yeah, well, you know, I thought he was dead and didn't come back. That's a poor impression of you, and I apologise. However, right, as you saw, lots of stormtroopers, there was a lot of people there, on Deu. There was a lot of people around. So you would have had first responders. There would have been at least a team medic, a combat <laughs> medic, rock up. And let's face it, lightsaber straight through, as we already know, you know, would have cauterized um, the wound. So... Sorry, uh, Qui-Gon, when he got taken out by the single blade, that must have really, you know, nicked a terrifically vital organ or something or other. So it took Qui-Gon out. However, there were medics available. There would have been qualified medical people on scene to assist the Grand Inquisitor. And as you know, these episodes, which we see, are just a small snapshot of the journey. (laughs) So he's just been in a back to town. I can't
1: fixed. wait. I can't wait to see how you're going to explain away Reva, but we'll get there. Okay. What so going for Reva? It's, 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 it's easy. Okay, let's get there.
0: Dan, Dan, you're in logistics, <laughs> aren't you? Yeah. What, what, what are your thoughts on how inefficiently packed that cargo ship at the
1: end looked? It looked pretty empty, didn't it? <laughs>
4: <laughs> yeah, but they used their control control stick thingy, and they just got it going. It's just like right now, let, let's get going. We're fine. <laughs> and uh you know it's an autonomous system where they were just given a command and it all worked no holes so far flawless it could have been it could have been really really heavy payload so when it comes down to bearing in mind that you know for a profession i'm an air load master so you can you can hit your weight limit before you hit your bulk out limit so you know just saying they could have had some really really heavy cargo which would have put it out but, of you, weight balance. Have,
1: but you but you could have put some light cargo in there to offset it and fill it out so that doesn't work roll, That's roll, use the force. or popcorn That's... or crisps just to fill <laughs> it out <up>. popcorn <laughs> or crisps <laughs> they're light they don't weigh anything oh, a bit of lack of cargo
3: is a reason to dislike a TV show. I know, shock it shocking.
0: No, it was, a, it was a reason to wind Dan
3: up. <laughs> was it you that said that, Blake? was it? I thought it was another Dan.
0: It was, it, it, it was just observation that of we sat around in a big empty cargo space. And then when they get to the other end, the, the little uh, Ned little Ned robot, he's, he's finding stuff to unload. So maybe there's a spaces on that ship we didn't see.
4: <laughs> Need to talk about that character.
0: It always takes me out of the moment when they use a still from a previous movie as in the wanted poster or on the mantelpiece as as like oh remember him kind of thing and they used they used the revenge of the sith publicity picture of you and on the wanted poster
4: really oh, good
0: yeah. spot he was in the trailer as well
3: okay so well, what did, was did you think of it too yeah no no do you know what i haven't disliked any of the episodes probably my if i was ranking them myself one to five probably my slowest episode but didn't mean I didn't like it. Still, like I said, the same as the book of Boba Fett. I watched all this with my son at the same time. And I just think when you see that generation kind of taking it in, not nicking picking because there's not enough cargo on a ship. Why have we gone to Tatooine? I mean, ridiculous. He just enjoyed it for what it was. But as for ratings, so IMDb, 7.3 out of 10. This was ranked fifth out of six over there. And on Generation Skywalker, 3.94 five out of five more in a similarity to imdb and also the fifth best in the weird generation skywalker opinion as well so we are matching with what the audience of imdb were thinking at this moment in time Anakin. let's go then over to part three first aired on june 1st 2022 and again was directed by deborah chow 45 minutes now jez your first synopsis
4: yeah so here we go episode three 48 minutes of absolute wonderful cinema tv experience begins with obi-wan meditating trying to reach out to uh qui-gon jin really trying to get to his master and he's being taunted in his dreams by reva you know, talking about, you know, he's, he's alive. And then at the same time, you see back and forth, sort of gruesome construction of the Dark Lord, of Anakin, of Darth Vader. And it is really quite gruesome. It's a sort of cross between Hellraiser, Freddy Krueger and Star Wars. It's really, really good. And then you see the helmet and the breathing. And in loads of respects, this episode three is a reflection of Revenge of the Sith. You know, we see it and we, we know that we get to a battle and all that sort of stuff. At the end of The Revenge of the Sith, you see Vader breathing in his helmet. And at the beginning of this episode, you see Vader breathing in the helmet. So I, I see complete sort of you know, reflections in mirrors and homages to that. And then you get Obi-Wan and Leia heading, you know, they've been told to go off and meet this contact. And they head to a planet called Mapuzo. And actually, when you look at it, when the ship is traveling to Mapuzo, Is probably up until this point, one of the planets which looks closest to our own planet Earth. And it's a sort of, they explain it's a once sort of pastoral, lovely, lush planet, which is now being strip-mined and ruined. And I wonder there if there's an element of Disney trying to subtly give messages about what we're doing to our own planet. Slight sidebar there just occurred to me earlier on as I was watching it. Anyway, as we go on third sister does a direct call to Darth Vader himself sort of bypassing the chain of command a little bit more infighting amongst inquisitors which are quite like but then you actually see more sort of conversation between Ben and Leah you know they're they're building things a little bit more in that relationship there is a little bit what has already said about Ned B but we will mention him later on they wait around for a while for the contact can't see the contact And then uh, they get picked up uh, by a sort of a a mole called Freck, who uh, sort of is a bit sympathetic to them, but is also an absolute imperial sympathiser. But anyway, they they have a journey with some stormtroopers, get to a a checkpoint, and then there's a firefight when their cover's blown. Now, at this point, Obi-Wan Kenobi, if you think not as clumsy or random as a blaster, he's pretty good with a blaster at this stage. Still not getting out the lightsaber, but dirty tricks, lads, I'm going to stop it now, just ask you, what's perfidy? Any of you know what perfidy is? Nope. It's technically a war crime, right? You know, it's when you're waving the white flag of truce is when you're sort of given up and you, you are essentially, definition escapes me right now, but you are deceiving someone. You're using deceptive techniques mm. and then you shoot someone <laughs> straight in the chest and that's what he does. How far away? What you're seeing there is Obi-Wan Kenobi so far away from his Jedi order. That's what I'm seeing here. Slap bang in the middle of this, of this series. This is the furthest he's been from being a Jedi, from following the code. Oh, that's not a Jedi's character. No, Jedi wouldn't do that. Jedi can't do that. He's just said to one of the stormtroopers, I'm putting my weapon down, I'm putting my weapon down, Put my weapon down. Bam, straight in the chest. Naughty Jedi. Anyway, uh, and then they get a contact. It's, uh, see so you, you get Indira Varma from Game of Thrones, uh, the character Tala, who's an Imperial officer um, who's turned sort of rogue and, and now has seen the light as opposed to the Imperial way. Mm-hmm. So she introduces us and and our main protagonists to the path, which is a series of safe houses throughout the galaxy trying to link the systems together. But there's a scene, gents, a scene which when Tala is talking about the path to Ben, this is pivotal for the entire series. Now, if you go back and watch this again, Obi-Wan Kenobi says so much about talking. Everything Tala says is really enlightening for him. When she's talking about there's a lot of good people out there. There's a lot of good things. He sees that he's not alone, brackets a bit like Poe in Rise of Skywalker, you know, we're not alone. His face lifts when he realises that there's a new hope. Because in the trailer, in the teaser, he's like, we've lost, there's nothing. She's the one who's saying to him, you know, there are good people out there. And in fact, if you count it, the camera goes back to him five times without him talking, just reacting. Right. And then finally, he reads that Quinlan was there. And again, it gives him this joy, it gives him this new hope. And to me, this is fantastic storytelling. He's not just acting, he's reacting, but but it's so strong that he doesn't need to say anything. His face, his acting tells you everything. It's really, really good. There's loads of great bits about this particular episode, which I just absolutely love. Anyway, they're just about to escape. And then he gets a feeling, this feeling of dread. It's almost like he's gonna pass out. You see all the Inquisitors coming along, you hear a scream, you see all the Inquisitors bow their heads, and then comes Darth Vader. Now this is, again, crucial, this is the first time he has seen Anakin Skywalker, you know, you must assume that this is this is the bad guy, you must have that sort of Jedi feeling. And then you just see Darth Vader unleash hell, breaking necks, cracking necks, dragging people along, dragging people along, because... He's trying to draw the Jedi out, exactly what the Grand Inquisitor said. You know, they, he then chases him. Then there's a battle, It's a battle with a very weakened Obi-Wan Kenobi, who's been a recluse, who's not practiced in the Jedi arts for 10 years, whereas Darth Vader is being driven with hate and, and with his desire and with his hatred. And, and he is proper badass, you know, and, and it's, it's a cracking fight. There is an element here. When Vader is beating Ben, he says, you should have killed me when you had the chance. Ben then, whilst he's trying to escape, strikes through a pipe, expelling smoke and steam everywhere. That's a total Empire Strikes Back, Cloud City throwback. You must have all seen it. It's, It's absolutely brilliant. But we see Darth Vader... So powerful, top of his game, levitating, chokeholding on Ben whilst disarming him and dragging him through some sort of combustible slag which is there and dragging him slowly through it whilst he burns. It gives extra meaning to the sequel trilogy because in the sequel trilogy we've seen powers that we've not seen before and there's an element of, hmm, that's new, that's not how they used to do it, now we're seeing that's how it used to be. When you see Rey breaking the ground and, and doing all these things and stopping ships, this is bringing balance to the entire franchise. That's how important this episode is. It's phenomenal. Ben then manages to escape with the help of Tala and Ned B. The big question is, why did Vader let him escape so easily? And then it ends with Leah being captured by Reva. Absolutely, absolutely phenomenal episode.
0: The there at every moment was just like jaw on the floor kind of chilling of course he wanted him to suffer and he was just being vile and and yeah just very sinister and quite affecting that was kind of you know quite a quite an affecting moment and it was all it was all there on screen i mean one of the things i struggle with some of this is is sort of some of this, the actual dialogue Vader didn't need to say, now you will suffer, Obi-Wan. He didn't need to say it. It was all there on screen. So I think that detracted a little bit, but it was such, I mean, that that, that episode was was building to that moment. Um, and that's what I was left with after that episode. So, you know, from a, from that point of view, really good and really, really quite affecting. Lots of great expanded universe stuff in this episode. Any Any writer writing in this time period of, of of the saga will would explore some kind of underground railway type scenario because it makes a lot of sense and uh, so the path had an equivalent in the old um, expanded universe in the Coruscant night books, where a resistant movement called Whiplash ran this what they referred to as the underground maglev, just got kind of like a train. So it was it was nice to see that theme come out again. But there were some real Easter eggs with the Jedi names on the wall of the safe house. So Quinlan Voss is probably the most familiar to most people and is the one that is indeed mentioned by everyone. Quinlan was here. So that implies that, you know, he's, he's another fan favorite character that's out there that we, we will undoubtedly get to meet. But there were other names that smarter and more dedicated Star Wars fans than me have translated from the Oribesh. So written on the wall of the safe house were five names. Obviously Quinlan, there was Alan Halcyon, who was a former Jedi who also went by the name as Hal Horn, which is Corran's father. So the 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 Horn family were all represented in this in this series. Caleb Doom, which is Kanan Jarrus from Rebels, a character called Din Altis, and Rogana Ismaran, and those are characters that were first mentioned in *Children of the Jedi*. I mean, that's going back some. That's quite a deep cut, and it's really nice that they're making these little little nods. And there's also on the on the wall the, the slogan for light and life, which is a which is an oft-repeated saying from the um, from the High Republic books. So a lot of Easter eggs Brilliant. and lots of stuff in there from from an EU point of view. A couple of things I I observed just to throw in, very Star Wars to make the miner a mole. <laughs> it was a very Star Wars move. Um, I think there needs to be some sort of internal memo uh, at Lucasfilm about stormtrooper dirtiness because these are like the Empire you know, height of the Empire um, stormtroopers that we meet on the Joshua Tree National Park planet. But they're as scuffed as remnant stormtroopers. So I think somewhere there needs to be some sort of colour swatch or or guide to how dirty they make these stormtroopers just so we know where we stand with that. And there's also the most amazing overacting extra around 20 minutes in when the inquisitors are discussing the probe finding obi-wan then just watch the imperial officer on the uh, on the right because it's just the best bit of east ender style overacting extras i've seen in stuff.
1: was a lot of it, it felt like a lot of this episode certainly the first half, when it's in broad daylight is shot on location it doesn't feel like it's in the on the sound stage and i think it benefits yeah. from that i like the bit when they're traveling along in the back of the what do you call it the miners truck and the stormtroopers get in and i like the pit when the stormtrooper falls off and gets cut in half by that little blockade thing they've got i thought that was quite a nice touch made the kids laugh when we watched it i I really like something we saw anakin as well he had a like a a short vision of anakin so we got to see hayden christensen in his old jedi garb and that was him he's done some interviews and he was talking about filming that on set i think darth vader in this episode is probably the closest we've had to the darth vader of empire strikes back since the empire strikes back i think he it was brilliant the voice the voice how they got the voice to sound like the young or the younger james l jones is something that will get revealed in time i definitely don't think that was james l jones recording it, that they
3: did you see how they did it so no. it is james l jones he has been credited with it like yeah i know he's he credited record, yeah he didn't record any new lines so they've got a company called re-speaker yeah and they use some sort of software and they literally recreate his voice and they used the same in mandalorian and the book of Boba Fett for luke yeah it just takes his past work and
1: can recreate it there was some great work they did on his voice i think the suit looked great the actor in the suit i don't know if when when it was and was it hayden but it definitely had the presence of of darth vader of old. i think mean, the costume there was a downside to it it felt like it was a later version of the vader costume than the one we saw in new hope but that's that is nitpicking but yeah it's brilliant i thought when he was fighting obi-wan the fact he was fighting one-handed another callback to empire strikes back when he fights luke he he, when he starts off the battle he's just fighting one-handed and just showing his you know sheer power and superiority over obi-wan in that battle changes by the sixth episode but you you can see him i think he will get there but he switches over from one-handed to two-handed but he just completely uh dominates the battle i think the um Dragging him through fire. I think whoever said it was jaw dropping. I think that for me, it was exactly that. Cause I think that's where all the tension was. You're kind of like, where the hell is this going now? It was kind of like, where, where, where where's the next episode going to go? It was, yeah, it was brilliant, brilliant episode. Really enjoyed it. All of the, the callback stuff with the Quinlan Voss stuff in there when they were going through the path. That was, you know, perks your ears up when you hear those names. And I think it's great. I don't know whether Quinlan Voss had been brought back into canon out of Legends. I know he was in mentioned in episode three a couple of times, but there's a taste there that he could be coming through. And I had a, a sneaking suspicion that he was going to be inside that droid. Ned doesn't appear to be the case. <laughs> that was my theory. But, yeah, it didn't pan out. But, I, yeah, I thought it was a brilliant episode. Probably my favorite. I think, though, the thing that does let it down is where we get to this place where we're talking about the the locations they're filming in. And this this whole battle scene is in what looks like a quarry in the dark, just not very visually appealing. You know, you look at what we've had before in the cinematic Star Wars films. It just feels I don't think if they're going for the whole character piece and it's all about Obi-Wan and Vader. I get it from that angle. But from a Star Wars kind of spectacle point of view it didn't push those buttons for me I, I think the locations as we go through the rest of the show it's all very basic dark locations we don't go to any more cities any real environments they all kind of blend in and feel the same we'll get there but yeah that that, that would be my that would be my downside to it but I thought it was a good episode really strong episode
3: don't you think those locations are just so they can use that glow of the lightsaber Both no i this, think i think it, i think, it's it, it, I, think it's, I
1: think it's to cover up the budget and to and to yeah to hide stuff is what i think If they'd have done it in this battle and had something more epic for the final battle, I'd probably agree with you, Stu, but the fact that they did it in both fights, I think, says a lot.
4: A couple of lines which I absolutely loved. Uh, So one was, only when the eyes are closed can you truly see, which I really wanted this to be a great opportunity taken out in episode six, which... It would have been a really subtle opportunity, but a great one. But they missed it. And we'll, we'll come on to episode six and how that goes. But that line, only when the eyes are closed can you truly see, could have been really taken somewhere else.
5: What does it say?
4: Only when the eyes are closed can you truly see. But the interaction between the two main protagonists and when she asked him, what the Force was, I thought that was wonderful. I thought that was really nice. How does it work?
5: The Force. What does it feel like? Have you ever been afraid of the dark? How does it feel when you turn on the light? I feel safe. Yes, it feels like that.
4: You know, when you when you look at the comparison of what Obi-Wan says when Luke asks what the Force is. The Force? The Force is what gives the Jedi his power. It's an energy field created by all living things. It surrounds us and penetrates us. It binds the galaxy together. You know, if you think back to that time, you know, binds the galaxy together, all of that. But this time, he just explains it like he's explaining it to a 10-year-old and talking about being afraid of the dark. How do you feel when the light comes on? feels safe. Yes, it feels like that. I thought that was a really lovely way of explaining the Force. Yeah. On reflection, I think some of, the, some of the writing, some of the craft work in this series is just really, really brilliant. There's a lot of love. As Craig said about the EU, it's brilliant. There's so much love trying to get real trying to tick as many boxes and i I don't mean in a box ticking exercise but trying to satisfy such a vast fan base as well as telling a great story you know they've got a tricky tricky path haven't they and i think in this series they're doing a great job how did it get on Stu?
3: how did it get on well that is the, the question so over on imdb It was a 7.6 out of 10, so this ranked it, it's the best one we've had from them so far, it ranked it their third best, whilst on Generation Skywalker, we had got it within our community at 4.4 out of 5, so a nice high rating on this, and it was the second ranked episode. Slight difference there, but we definitely had it higher.
5: You cannot run A1. become i am what you made me
3: moving on to part four and it first aired on june the 8th 2022 a short episode of just 36 minutes and continuing on her directing is deborah chow I don't know why I keep saying that, but I did it in the last one when it was all different. But uh, hey, <laughs> hey, hey, we will give her, we will give her the recognition she deserves.
0: Yeah, part four. This is this is where it sort of takes a bit of a, a dip for me, but I will I will keep the editorial out of my synopsis. So um, episode four starts with Obi Wan being taken to Jabim by Tala and Ned B, where he's placed in the back to tank to heal. Um, there's some nice flashes back and forth to his predicament with Vader in the in his back to tank. Obi Wan wakes up. And despite not being fully healed, he's desperate to get uh, get back to the hunt for Leia. So he enlists the help of Roken, who appears to be in charge of the path on Jabeam, uh, who agrees to help and happens to have some intel on Fortress Inquisitorius. It's a base on a water planet within the Mustafar system that doesn't have any shields. So in order to get Leia back, Tala decides to rest an entire escape mission on her officer of clearance in order to infiltrate the base and to find a way to get Obi-Wan inside undetected. Meanwhile, we see Leia, who is being kept prisoner by Reva, who mocks her, claiming that Obi-Wan is dead and that no one's coming for her. And she's interrogated by uh, Reva, who demands to know where the path is. And instead, Leia stands up very well to the questioning, uh, asking about uh, Obi-Wan and resisting Reva's force powers, who then goes on and admits that she's quite strong. Obi-Wan and Tyler touch down on the base. Tyler's not cleared to pass, but she styles it out by questioning the lead security officer, demanding that he call her sir and claiming that she has classified information that she needs to convey. So luckily, the security officer buys it and stands down. She then goes to a workstation occupied by a handful of officers and proceeds to whisper very loudly everything that is going on into Com Channel director Obi-Wan, who swims up to the back door of the fortress like Cal Kestis did in the Fallen Order game. Rather unsurprisingly, Tyler gets rumbled by a superior officer whom she knocks out behind a partition wall before returning to her station. Reva takes Leia out of the cell to an interrogation area and she remains defiant to the interrogation. As Obi-Wan's making his way up from the lower floors, he comes across a room full of Jedi that appear to be like frozen in amber, like an amber type substance with cracks in it <laughs> Jurassic Park, which he describes as a tomb. He hears Leia's screams, whether actually or through the Force, uh, and asks Tala to set up a distraction, uh, which she does by claiming that she's found evidence of the path, although Reva sees through uh ruse. Obi-Wan, meanwhile, shuts off the lights and frees Leah. Tyler staves off two stormtroopers and manages to leave the room while Reva hurries off to track down Leah and Obi-Wan who are fighting off purged troopers and stormtroopers whose blasters cause the glass to crack in an underwater corridor. So Obi-Wan uses his force powers to hold the water back for long enough for everyone to escape before he brings it down on the stormtroopers just as the doors are closing on the water. Um, and then in a rather comedic scene, he disguises himself in a huge overcoat with Princess Leah hidden underneath and they make for the ship uh, they get as far as the hangar but they're surrounded as Reaver shows up with other Inquisitors and Stormtroopers and then out of nowhere two Snowspeeders appear and shoot at the port uh, and one of them is forced down by Reaver but Leia, Tarlene and Obi-Wan are rescued and fly off in the second Then, Vader appears out of nowhere and Force chokes Reva, and he's very cross that she let them get away, but she tells him that she put a tracker on the ship, and he releases her. There's a lovely moment as Obi-Wan and Leia are are, are back on the the shuttle, where Leia takes Obi-Wan's hand, and the camera pans down to Lola, whose light changes from blue to red, because she is the tracker.
5: Bunch of talk of a secret network, a path, We thought it was a lie. But a safe house, like the one you were in, has been found in two systems. I need to find out where they are, Leia. And I think you know. How did he die? He burned to death on Mapusa. the people i'm looking for left him there to die if you tell me where the path is you can go home to your family this can all be over
3: so jez what are you thinking of this episode it's a good episode i liked it i know what
4: craig you know, said about the sort of slight comedic thing of quick put this jacket on, trying to do the sort of Austin Powers escape in type thing. Yeah, that was a little bit weak, but you know, we we've seen people sneaking around in period establishments before in episode four. We've seen them doing it in um, one of the sequel movies. <laughs> Awkward was it? Uh, Last Jedi? Uh, you know, we've seen it in Rogue One. We've seen people sneaking around establishments before.
1: and but They could have uh, just put a dustbin on her and she could have pretended to be a droid. A um, droid, yeah.
4: So it, that for me wasn't brilliant. I liked lots of other elements. I liked the, again, linking in episode four with regards to her resistance to the mind probe that sort of stuff and also again sequels when you think about um poe and his interrogation table all very very similar so they're, they're again more evidence of them beautifully sort of linking all of this together Probably my weakest. I, I said that about episode two, but I think episode two and four probably my weakest of the two.
1: We agree, Jez. I think this is definitely the weakest episode. I know. We, I don't know if we're going to talk about this or not, but there's a guy who's done an edit. you seen this. He's he's taken the six episodes and he's. It was it was it made. It made mainstream news certainly on some of the entertainment pages I'm on this guy's done a, an edit and he's taken the whole thing and edited it down to about an hour and 50 minutes and I watched a YouTube of him talking about it and, and what he kept and what he lo- lost and yeah as you can probably imagine most of this episode didn't survive the <laughs> the edit it is, it is a filler episode isn't it but there is there is still good stuff in there I do like Obi-Wan infiltrating the base using the same breather that he used in episode one when he went down to the uh, the Gungan city those re-breather things the Jedi i have yeah i thought you know him sneaking around the base was very um episode four and obi-wan taking out the tractor beam and you know he does that, like, the whole jedi trick to distract him with a noise i thought that was good how they brought that in i liked i liked seeing him fight the stormtroopers the whole glass thing shattering i thought was was effective and you know him bringing back his false powers i think as each episode progresses now we see him get stronger in the force um since he's kind of been exposed to to vader and he seems to yeah be up in his game and yeah I, I liked a lot of the elements of it but yeah it was it was pretty much an unnecessary episode i think as well that that tracker is being described as a tracker i think it's more of a i wouldn't say it's a restraining bolt but definitely takes more control of the droid than just track them because obviously we we'll see in the next episode and we'll come onto it i think they're able to influence the droid as well as track it
0: they give it powers to open hatches and
1: close it <laughs> <laughs> she calls but that yeah. a restraining bolt yeah oh does she oh okay yeah
4: Whilst it's fresh in my mind, and you've said about the sort of correlation between this and episode four, you know, creeping around in Imperial Facility, what I want to do is just actually we'll just do a quick sort of refresh from one to four, because Grant pointed this out after about three or four episodes. So episode one, what do we have? A female royal gets kidnapped and we go to Tatooine. Episode two, we enter some sort of nightclub place, clones and a world covered in water. Episode three, Vader versus Kenobi or Anakin versus Kenobi. Episode four, Obi-Wan Kenobi creeping around an Imperial facility to help rescue Princess Leia. It's complete tie-ins with every movie in line
1: with every episode of Kenobi.
0: It's like poetry, it rhymes.
1: Mm. (laughs) Yeah, brilliant. I can see them up to this point, but I think it struggles towards the end. I, I, I don't get the, I know we'll get to the episode, but. I think it works with episode five. I'm not sure if it works so well with the return of the Jedi correlation at the end, but maybe you can really? prove me wrong on that. And point it's I've seen. like
4: in the dark, some sort of redemption of a baddie force ghost. What are you on about?
1: <laughs> 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 you can definitely see it though. Yeah, for sure. It, it, it's definitely there.
0: Yeah, I mean, maybe it was some of the familiarity of infiltrating a rebel base again that, that made me zone out on this one. I don't know. It felt the sloppiest for me. You know, I'd really enjoyed the first three, and this is the first one that ended, and I sort of went, mm, okay. I mean, there was some good bits. I, th- I think the the Reva and Leah scenes were really good. You sort of see her talking about her childhood, and there's a sort of glimmer of her humanity in that, and where it ultimately goes. I think that was. So particularly effective
1: i think there's a good a good mystery there of what they're doing with all those jedi's that are kind of yeah in, yeah in amber yeah it would be nice to see a few familiar faces that i was looking i couldn't see anyone i particularly recognized i don't think i don't think there was any the, of the jedi council in there
3: the only one that i have read that was definitely in there is Terra sanub which is from the clone wars do you remember the lightsaber lost episode yeah. the jedi that helps ahsoka get her lightsaber back that's that one is definitely in there, but um, there's been rumours that people have tried to pause and zoom in, and they reckon there's Mace and people in there, but I'm, I'm not quite sure about that. There's oh. a Jedi called Terra Sinube. Terra Sinube. S I N U B E.
1: surname So, do we think that's just the museum, or do you think there's something more nefarious going on with those? Well, assuming they're dead.
0: Are they dead or in suspended animation? They've kept their hats on. I, you know, there's what there's one that's um that's revealed like we should know who it is. And I, I wondered whether it was like supposed to be the teacher from the first scene. You know, there's like a close up and it's like, oh, it's her. And it's like, who is that? Um, so I wonder whether that might have been the the the, the teacher or Roken's wife mentions that she was taken. But it was, there's I mean, lots, it, some significance that I was missing.
1: And it would have been really easy for them just to freeze them all in carbonite. So I think it's, it's good they've done something different. It's still visually striking as well.
0: It's tied to, you know, what ultimately ends up with Dr. Pershing okay. and Brogu and the, the 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 sort of experimentation, extraction of midichlorians, whatever it is. You you'd sort of think that that's sort of a, a seed that's being sown there.
4: What I did think with this yes. one was I noticed the distinct lack of John Williams in this, the chase music. I was like, what is this? Some sort of, you know, James Bond... Um, uh, Born type music it was action sort of excitement music but it to me didn't feel at all Star Wars-y and I felt that first time watching it second time watching it not so much of an issue possibly because of what happens later in the series but the musical score through this I thought could have been a little bit better. Any any opinions on smoke speeders?
0: They, they mentioned that they were used for hauling sewage which I don't quite get I don't know Are there big tanks on there or
4: they go into a cargo bay type thing didn't they really so yeah bringing in you know realism now. you've got the difference between the f-35a and the f-35b which as you know you've got the carrier and the f-35c so you've got your short takeoff and landing the hover ones and the carrier based ones so in a galaxy far far away gents let's not get worried about that i'm, I'm sure it's all fine another great episode
0: josh <laughs> <laughs> you should work for them
4: <laughs> he's great how, at moving it on I
0: said, yes, how, so when Wan sensed vader the first time he was like nearly sick and his knees buckled and he was like yeah uh, he, he didn't sense him at all this time
4: no desensitized being yeah. used to it yeah. and uh, got that out of his system so he's all right another great I,
3: episode
0: i'm updating wikipedia now
3: <laughs> desensitized sick so imdb 6.4 out of 10 by far the worst i mean it's nearly a whole point below their second worst and uh, on we are generation skywalker 3.7 out of 5 again by far the lowest score that we've seen tonight and both imdb and generation skywalker have this comfortably in sixth place as the best episode still fun bits in it i'm not having it we've seen phil around Episode in The Mandalorian and all sorts. You were born what defeat would bring.
5: I will tolerate your weakness no longer.
2: <laughs> oh.
5: I put a tracker on the ship. Soon the location of the network and Kenobi will be ours. It seems I have underestimated you. But my lord, the base was almost destroyed! Kenobi is all that matters. There can be no mistakes. You're certain the tracker is with him. Yes, my Lord, where he goes, it will follow.
3: So let's go on then to episode five, getting into the business end of it now. And very, very exciting this, because I don't think you, any of you are going to believe this, but this episode five, part five, was directed by Deborah Chow, and... Uh, Uh, was first aired on June the 15th, 2022, for 40 minutes, Daniel.
1: Through flashback, Vader reflects on a lightsaber training session with Kenobi prior to the Clone Wars as his forces track Kenobi via the restraining bolt previously placed on Lola. These flashbacks continue through the episode Vader promotes Reva to Grand Inquisitor, who leads the attack on the Path's facility on Jahib, using Lola to close and deactivate its escape doors. To stall Reva, Kenobi attempts to negotiate with her and deduces that she knows Vader's true identity because she witnessed his massacre at the Jedi Temple during Order 66. She reveals she wants to get close to Vader to kill him rather than serve him. Reva and her forces then breach the base, with Tala sacrificing herself to hold them back. Realising they will be defeated, Kenobi surrenders to Reva and convinces her to kill Vader when she delivers Kenobi to him. Leia manages to open the escape doors after removing Lola's restraining bolt, enabling the group to escape on their ship as Vader arrives. Reva uses this opportunity to try and kill Vader, but after a brief duel is overwhelmed and stabbed with her own lightsaber. The Grand Inquisitor then arrives alive and well to reclaim his position and she is left for dead. While laying in the dirt, Reva discovers part of a message from Bail Organa on Kenobi's transmitter, revealing Luke's location on Tatooine.
4: found, he's learned of the children, and
1: the boy. Did you like this one, Dan? I did. Thought it was very good. I thought the the lightsaber duel at the end was inspired. I loved Vader false blocking her blade i would never seen that before and just just the way yeah she was just completely outmatched by him i don't know if, what she was thinking going up against him he just yeah just made her look stupid she didn't even get a hit in. yeah that was good to see seeing kenobi fight stormtroopers with 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 the with the rest of the i'm going to call them the rebels as they as they poured into the base that was great to see in live action obviously we've seen obviously in the clone wars episodes and all that good stuff we've seen him you know going up against armies of clones and droids and things like that but seeing it then i don't know it just it felt really well executed that bit yeah i thought it was it was a good episode i didn't like the way they made such a fuss about getting leia a ladder it was like we need to get her a ladder get her a ladder get her a ladder
3: <laughs> well that, that, that <laughs> makes me laugh that you bring that up because earlier you wanted to know everything and now if she was suddenly up there you'd be sitting here tonight going well how does she get no, up would, it was really no, high no i wouldn't
1: it's just, it's just too, <laughs> yeah get a ladder it's just such a thing get a ladder it just stuck out to me that they wanted to get her a ladder <laughs> When I first watched all this series, I, I kind of really thought Vader was overpowered in certain scenes. And there's that scene when he walks in and he thinks the ship that he's force-grabbed is lifting off and he pulls it down to the ground and he rips the side of the ship out. You know, visually, it's stunning. It looks brilliant. Obviously, it all ties into those flashback scenes of, Anakin and Obi-Wan and Obi-Wan eventually getting the upper hand and just proving that again that Vader's still the, the learner as as they escaped so I, I did like that I thought it was good but yeah at the time of watching I just think wow this is a little bit force unleashed
4: I'll break that look? one down for you though that is the Sith equivalent <laughs> of <laughs> when you have a uh, coursing through your veins when you have uh, adrenaline right so that is the the forces equivalent of adrenaline. So he's he's badass at the best of times. Now he has got so close to getting what he needs, he's got adrenaline coursing through his sift blood. Uh, and that answers that. That's in your cannon now.
0: So when so when he stands there on Echo Base and the Falcons flying off and he's kind of stood there very similar. Spot is He's, he's yeah. just measured now and he knows he's,
1: he's a little bit older controlled
0: and in control. So, and he's just going no, crate, to let play. stuff done 12 years
1: coming ago. My team now, some of this stuff, Jez, you've got no, 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 to no. convince both of us now, but <laughs> well,
4: that's fine. 12 years ago or whatever the time difference is, I could have done a lot more than I can do now. I'm getting older, and you know, I'm still a powerhouse, don't get me wrong. But he was he was absolute match fit back then, you know, in this time complete match fit you know Empire still a badass don't get me wrong he's still one of those guys you won't want to mess with but not quite got as much adrenaline
0: you know the, the the definition and the use of the force is something that anyone who's written scenarios for it has struggled with We only ever see him force choke a couple of people and he senses a presence in A New Hope. That's pretty much the extent of his force use. And, you know, in the books, in the comic computer games, you know, there's always this need for spectacle and the force. And you've got people pulling down pretty moons in one book and then people struggling to move rocks in another. And the use of the force is time honoured as an inconsistent thing. But I think when you're slotting in these stories, To certain points in time they they are highlighted by the well yeah that's a bit it's a bit more than he did on the on the next (laughs) one
1: (laughs) with vader you know he's he's disabled isn't he he's lost his arms his legs his lungs are burnt out he's got a mask he can probably hardly see out of yeah i think the way that he fought um reaver I thought was pretty inspired. I've never seen that before, and it didn't feel it didn't feel overdone. I felt it felt right, and you'd expect someone like that, who's probably spent the last ten years hunting down Jedi in that state, and probably fought Jedi stronger than Reva, that they're the sort of moves that he'd have developed.
0: Yeah, it's like he doesn't think she's worth it. It's demeaning for him to fight her properly. It's just really <laughs> good. It speaks volumes about the the character.
1: He's
4: toying said, with her, isn't he?
0: Yeah, yeah, totally. Totally. And he was was toying with Obi-Wan when he was dragging him through the flames. He's just vindictive.
4: That bit when he has her double lightsaber, breaks in half, chucks one to her as if, you know, come on then. She has a go. He disarms her whilst throwing his around like a boomerang. And then when she's on the knees, it comes back and he's just got the two there. And it's just, oh my God, that's so good. He is utter baddie. Uh, that That was great. Going back to the whole force thing, just want to put it to bed—the whole adrenaline and everything like that. If you if you go back to Mandalorian, etc., after the child, after Grogu's had a go and used the force, he has to have a little kip. That's how it works, you know. He, he's knackered, so he's just pulled a ship down. He's he's ripped it apart he ain't got enough energy to get the next one you just lucky he's, he's not had to lie down and have a snooze that's how the force works
1: what did you think about reaver screaming light him up and they started shooting the base doors right that, yeah something else that bugged me so
4: this is now my time to talk about bits i didn't like in this in this thing because there is a lack of real world isms here because i'm a changed man i'm an experienced man and now I use that experience to question things I see. So stormtroopers firing heavy lasers at the blast doors, yet no one's wearing eye protection. <coughs> no one's worried about ricochets, right? She's just light them up. I'm thinking I might need to put in some sort of dynamic health and safety assessment. There's other elements throughout the series. You walk along the corridors of an imperial establishment, not a single notice board with out-of-date information. There's no health and safety or diversity and inclusion, sports, pub of the month or anything like that. I don't really believe it because there's no notice boards. So I was taken out at the moment when they fired at that door and there was no quick get your safety goggles on.
3: Galaxy, a long time ago, Jez. I mean, you've only got to go back to the 90s. There wasn't (laughs) no health and safety.
4: Fair argument. What a great series. And
3: also then she just sticks her lightsaber through and cuts the door open anyway.
4: I can explain that though because... I needed, to, again, I thought to myself, Dan might not like that. But that had taken several blasts. And it was like the the straw that broke the donkey's back. She she exposed the bit which had already been damaged by the laser. I agree on that.
1: Didn't she open yeah. it slightly with a force first and then slid the lightsaber in? And yeah, the, I think she did. The brace, whatever you call it. Yeah. She
4: ne- nearly needed a little kip after that.
1: I like yeah, that yeah, bit. Yeah. None of that bothered me. I like that little chat through the door. I didn't quite get why... She'd obviously said, he said to, he said to Reva, was it, I'm not, you're not bringing him to me, I'm bringing him to you. And then they took him back inside and then, yeah, and then Vader came in and he had to go inside. I, why didn't they just keep him outside? I just, that was something else that stood out to me. Not horrendous, but just, can you, can anyone explain that?
4: It's probably just like a private screen and just, you know, okay. I'll bring him in. You two probably want a bit of an intimate moment. You probably don't want to do it in front of the garrison and everyone else. You know, we've got stuff to do, risk assessments to make. So, so no, no, well, you
1: can't You can't explain it then, Jez. OK, move on. Roll on. <laughs>
3: <laughs> what about the, the flashback scene in yeah. the fight? Let, let, let's discuss that. So first of all, it's got to be Attack of the Clones era, pre-Geonosis battle because Anakin still has his right arm, which obviously he loses against Dooku. So what do we think about the anti-aging did they go far enough especially with anakin
0: i found watching 50 year olds cosplay as their 30 year old selves a little bit distracting i have to say um although when i watched it again i watched it without my glasses on my laptop and it was a lot better
1: you could see it was older but i still went with i went with that we knew the characters they were playing the characters they were they played 15 20 years ago i thought i thought it came off quite good they did enough i think to to satisfy me with that i think the the battle itself was really good and you could see you could see it mirroring the episode. I, I don't know how many times they cut back to it. Maybe it's what three or four times through the episode, and it's kind of mirroring what you're what you're seeing. I love that shot of Vader on the bridge of the Star Destroyer as they're traveling through hyperspace, kind of with his reflection in the in the view screen. I think that was that was good. Didn't it?
3: I think this episode was all about
1: you were starting to see Kenobi get his mojo
3: back, weren't you? Mm-hmm. So rusty in episode three, and then all of a sudden he's starting to show glimmers of the uh, the Obi Wan we knew and loved in the prequels.
4: I've got a little observation about Ned B Then so. <laughs> When we saw him earlier on, there was always oh, this person, is this robot, someone inside it, you know, what's going on? And yeah, some of the movement was very human, but there's a time when when they land at the beginning of episode three and they land on uh, Mepusa, I think it is, they land on, on the planet and Ned B goes to the, uh, to the ship, to their cargo ship, and then stops and then he moves back and he moves to one side, empty-handed, whilst he sees other unloaded, Droids, and the fact that Craig had already said there wasn't a great deal of cargo, <laughs> but he he stops, moves to one side, then he gestures to a pink pinkish little astromech droid, and that astromech droid then turns around, and I just thought, does he know that these people? Because he's you know, if this is the same loader, if this is Ned B, the same loader, does he know that these two are here and going to meet Tala, and he's just told this little astromech droid just to turn around a sec did he very, very subtly aid their escape? So that was the first real subtle thing which, which I saw. And Craig, hopefully, you know, you, you'll see that and I know that you'll be putting together the enhanced and everything.
0: Yeah, and I think I know what you're going to say next. Go on.
4: Right, OK. Maybe, maybe not. But then there are other things. Then, you know, the bit when he's got the hammer if this is what you think, where, when he, he's got the hammer, when the stormtroopers are sort of questioning him and one stormtrooper yeah. is saying he can't communicate and you just see him. And it's almost like something from the black hole, you know, when are these droids actually people or, or what's going on there?
0: It's actually and his hammer, w- which is very human, little hammer, is Yeah,
4: some of his movement backwards in a couple of the scenes is very human. The hammer is human. There seems to be a very strong relationship between Tala and Ned B. But again, we've seen that in Solo, between Solo and um, L3. But there's one thing which really humanised Ned B for me, which is, go to episode five. When Tala's been hit, and then Ned is hit. The moment Ned is hit, the sound goes funny. Like if there's been an explosion and your, your eardrum's been perforated, all that sort of thing, where you see it in a movie where something's happened to someone and then boom, sound goes a bit funny, a bit sort of tinnitus. It goes weird, like there's been a big explosion. You've lost your hearing. That you happened. Say
1: Private Ryan's all over it, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Start. That happened
4: the second Ned B was hit, not Tala was hit, which to me really humanized Ned B. And then when he sort of shielded Tala and then eventually sort of powered down, you saw her, you saw that then she, she showed her hand, which had blood on it. And I sort of had another little look at it because she had one hand up on his chest, but it was the opposite hand. So it wasn't Ned B's blood or hydraulic fluid or anything like that. I believe it was hers, but it did make me think with, with the sound and the fact that he was really subtly sort of trying to steer that droid away, the whole hammer thing, there's got to be more to that character
0: well to add to that he got his own character poster where Paylor organa didn't get one arguably had more lines and more scenes and he got a figure didn't he in the in the, the retro, retro collection,
1: collection the yeah. Down, yeah yeah so yeah I, uh, I picked up on it too i was convinced that Quinlan boss was inside that droid and i was shocked <laughs> he got blown up i was like oh there goes that fury I was, I was convinced that he was going to be inside of it we'll have to wait and see how that pans out maybe the, maybe the thermal detonator didn't blow him up maybe he's uh, <laughs> He's thermal debt at the native proof.
3: How did it do, Stu? How did it do? Well, there is the question. So on IMDb, 7.9 out of 10. A bit of a high one for this one for IMDb. It ranked second on their list, whilst over on We Are Generation Skywalker, 4.31 out of 5, ranking it third. Oh.
5: Let me go UGH!
3: So that leads us into part six. Part six aired on June 22nd, 2022, 48 minutes long. And lo and behold, completing the directing lineup was Deborah Chow. <laughs> oh, Deborah Chow, she did well, didn't she, this series? She's been massively
4: busy. <laughs> so episode six begins with Reva looking for a farmer named Owen on Tatooine interaction there with the original sort of schoolboy bully from episode one. Vader pursuing the fleeing ship with Leah, Roken and Ben immediately hit for the first time with music, very familiar music, tempos, rhythms, arrangements. It was very Empire Strikes Back. The music started, the repetitive music was from the snow speeder hunt for Luke and Han. Then Owen's getting a warning, so this is setting up the other bit which is going to happen. Owen gets his warning from sort of scared looking market men. Ben decides to leave the ship. It's going to be safer for everyone. A lot of sort of leadership, bits and pieces, some lovely elements come out of young Leah and uh, discussions there with Roken, again setting that up for the future. And then you go back to sort of Tatooine, Ben briefs brew on what's going on. She's like, no, we're staying in, we're fighting, we're enough, you and me. Let's do this. You sort of fast forward to a new hope and your thoughts on how this pair ultimately then perished. Probably has changed somewhat. You know, we'll, we'll now look at episode four in a different light, thinking, you know, these two were there at the last garrison. How many troopers did they take out? The fact that she's got it squared away. She pulls out a couple of sort of laser sawn-off shotguns, which are really good for close-quarter battle. You know, she she's there, defensive position, which is brilliant. Um, ben very, very sort of tenderly gives Leia the holster, and again, more great acting between the two main protagonists. But crucially, Vader allows the ship to uh, leave and uh, follows Kenobi Luke incidentally gives the line I'm not afraid um, when they say what's you know what's potentially gonna happen I'm not afraid again takes me to Empire Strikes Back when he says that to Yoda and then um, again talking about strength and fear comfort Ben finds Lola in his pocket again another little egg of how wonderful Leia is is a character both Ben and, and Vader land on the planet um, so, you know, rock scenario, which we've already seen. Now, I've I've seen places people refer, refer to it as, as a moon or a small moon. And I just think again, he's heading for that small moon. That's no moon. That's a space station. I love it. I wonder if that's linked or not. And then you have just got the epic battle. Have you come to destroy me, Obi-Wan? I will do what I must. Then you will die. The, the camera work here, so you've got lateral camera shots, wide shots, overhead shots, shaky cam, all build to an absolute sense, in my viewing uh, opinion, of instability and uncertainty with regards to what's going to happen. You as a viewer, are like all over the place, and you've got the choral inclusion within the music. So not only are we bringing in themes now, but it's very Return of the Jedi music which you know fits perfectly doesn't it it's episode 6 for crying out loud it, it, it's perfect then again switch to Reva it, the homestead fight in again if you think about it Return of the Jedi the, the sort of continuous battles back and forth between Endor and in space again it hogs back to that just action 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 back and forth back and forth back to Vader again with an even higher pitched Coral fight as if demonstrating that the stakes are increased as the octaves increase your strength has returned but your weakness remains then again, Vader causes the ground to collapse, as I said earlier on, which, you know, what Ray's doing. Did you think you could truly defeat me? Then again, back to the homestead, more scrapping, Luke, Luke escapes. This stage, Ben is trapped under the rocks, and uh, initially his thoughts are of failure, loss for his friends, but then he sees images of Leah, Luke, Leah, Luke, Leah, Leah falling, Leah smiling. He's given new purpose. And then you've got the most fantastic battle of lightsabers and Jedi powers. This, in my opinion, was the little thing which could have been lost when they say about, you know, it's only when your eyes are truly shut. Do you see the light? And so I watched it again to see if Obi-Wan shut his eyes just at that sort of crucial moment under the rocks to see the light, to power out. But he didn't. His eyes were open through that. So a slight missed opportunity, but real smashing into it back and forth. And Ben is there with now a new sense of purpose and drive. He is smashing the hell out of Vader's voice box, his voice modulator with the hilt of his weapon. So is he just trying to take him down and do damage? If he was trying to kill him, he would have been putting the blade through there, but he was smashing it with the hilt. He takes a flying leap, which takes out half his helmet. And the flying leap reminds me of Power of the Jedi carded figures with with Obi-Wan on the front of that doing his leap you know, the acting here, the story is brilliant, you know, teary Obi-Wan, um, you know, where he's, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Anakin, for all of it. I'm not your failure, Obi-Wan, you didn't kill Anakin Skywalker, I did. Breaking down between a combination of Hayden and James's voice, you know, it's just, it's just so well done. But the image of Ben holding up his arms and throwing the rocks towards Darth Vader, Reminds me of the book which came out after Jedi, Heir to the Empire*. There's a, there's a cover there of the old sort of Jedi with his arms up. And when I saw his arms coming up and the rocks, it just took me to air just just for a just for a moment. But it, it, to me, that was just absolutely fantastic Jedi power. It, I just breathtaking, brilliant. So again, Darth is taken out. Darth is down. Obi Wan walks away. Reaver searching for Luke. Luke slips and he's out cold. And uh, Ben senses this, jumps to hyperspace to try and get to him. Reva ignites her saber, but has visions. She has a moment. She has a redemption time. There's still so much left to watch. There's still just 20 minutes left. Reva returns with Luke. You then cut to Mustafar and you've got Vader talking to the Emperor. And the Emperor's trying to sort of realign him and just say, you know, seriously, mate, you want to have a word of yourself. Kenobi then, uh, Vader says, yeah, Kenobi means nothing to me. I only serve you, my master more music more imperial march stuff cut to Alderan, leah getting dressed again gorgeous moment she's got her gloves got holster got the boots got the whole ensemble and again the relationship between bria bale and leah but it's that moment which oh my goodness it must have got to you all a bit when ben is talking to leah princess leah organa you're wise discerning kind-hearted these are qualities that came from your mother at the moment that Leah's theme is playing but you're also passionate, fearless, forthright and these are gifts from your father. Both were exceptional people who bore an exceptional daughter. I wish I could tell you more." As I say all while the subtle painful beautiful melody of Leah's theme plays. Yeah it's just it's just a wonderful moment. It wraps everything up perfectly about we must be careful no one must know or it could endanger us both which really brings together the whole Lear's message within R2 in episode four of A New Home. rather. It's brilliant. Ben then leaves his cave. He sees the uh, Skyhopper, goes to Owen. Owen sort of welcomes him in. You then get the classic hello there moment. And finally, for all those people who've been waiting to see it for ages, the Qui-Gon Jinn and the Master, come on, we've got a ways to go. So much packed into that episode. It was absolutely on point
5: anakin anakin's gone I am what remains
2: I'm sorry I'm sorry Anakin for all of it
5: I am not your failure, Obi-Wan. You didn't kill Anakin Skywalker. I will destroy you. Then my friend is truly dead. Goodbye,
0: Darth. I mean, that was a really good summary, Jess sort of transfixed listening to it. Um, But yeah, I think some of those scenes that you've very eloquently described as sort of some of the best Star Wars, I think, you know, those, those moments with Hayden through the cracked helmet, they had to do that. I kind of was hoping they were going to do it. They did it in... Force Unleashed, where I mean a battle damage Vader where you could see his face, and they also did it in Rebels. So they were of course they were gonna do it. It was just perfect. And I think the dialogue, I think the acting, I think the fact that he's, you know, when he's when he says, You didn't you didn't kill Anakin, I did, there's a little kind of, there's a little smile, there's a little kind of wryness in his in his face. It's like it's okay, I'm happy with it. So obviously there's a lot of a lot of people growing and gaining acceptance a lot of people crying but it was a, it was stupendous in lots of ways Particularly those last few last few scenes i thought they were great i think the moving rocks thing it, it all ties back to luke stacking those little boulders on on dagobah and, you know we saw ray do it in the last jedi <laughs> you know, it's one of the jedi's favorite tricks doing it with rocks you know that's why they learn to move rocks around and and, and i've never seen it done to to that effect so uh, so yeah it was really 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 good and i, I you know i liked how when obi Wan walks away and calls him darth everyone else calls him vader if they're going to shorten his name they call him vader but he calls him darth which is what he calls him in the new hope and it's that acceptance that he is that title he is that dark lord and that's what he is now and he can walk away
3: uh, yeah it was brilliant you talk about the cracked helmet scene i read somewhere online that's about his eyes as he's saying that line that you just said about, um, I didn't, you didn't kill An- um, Anakin, I did. He's crying, Anakin, at that point, and then his eyes turn red, and he goes back to being kind of Vader. So it's, it's showing that Anakin's still there, still there's still that slight goodness in there.
0: Well, there's a lot going on. I mean, I looked at it, and it was like the bit that stood out to me was that he was okay with it
1: and do you think he said that to let obi-wan off the hook almost that you know obi-wan's been carrying all this guilt around and you know he says it. you know anakin i'm sorry i'm sorry for all of it and rather than playing on that and saying yeah it is all your fault and that's why i want to destroy it he says to him it wasn't you it was me almost and he's like okay then fine so in a dark twisted way even though he had a smile on his face he was he's kind of letting obi-wan off the hook that was how i read it anyway
0: i think it helped everyone move on from it yeah
1: yeah they can't kill each other though can
3: they i mean obi-wan could have finished him
1: but that, talked, that, that, that's, that's, I think I said hang. I mean, I, I've got criticisms of a lot of things, but a lot of people are criticising. You know, obviously people are playing with these toys and they've got to put them back where they left them. So then, so it stacks up for episode four or Rogue One or whatever, whatever comes next in the continuity. You kind of you can't have Darth Vader die now. You could argue well. They could have separated them. They could have, you know, stormtroopers could have landed and Obi Wan had to flee. But it kind of felt a little bit poetic that you know a Jedi wouldn't just murder someone and decided to walk away. But you know, in ten years' time, Alderaan's gonna kind of get blown up, and arguably that's Darth Vader's fault. And trillions of people or millions of people have been killed because he didn't kill him. But it's all right though. He saves Luke at the end, and
3: everything's forgiven. Uh, <laughs> there yeah. you go. You want to tuck into uh, the OT? I mean, we just we just accept that he's uh, turn good, killing children, mate.
1: I enjoyed that element of it, the the Vader and Obi-Wan battle. I thought it was, it was a thrilling fight and it was interesting to see where it went. And I'd say, you know, Obi-Wan's or Ewan's performance in the, in that end of that, you know, the, that whole Anakin for all of it, I'm sorry, or whatever he, whatever he says. The dialogue, I just think the way he delivers it is just brilliant, and and you and you think he means it. It's some of the best acting there has ever been in Star Wars, in my opinion. Even Hayden, the way he's delivering his, and I love the way his voice is like flickering between the Vader voice and his own. And this one bit when he says, "You didn't kill me," in Hayden's voice, and then he says, "Obi Wan as Darth Vader." It just it just sounds awesome. It's just brilliant. I love it. I thought it was great absolutely okay. brilliant um and all the bits that jez was picking up on the end you know the layer scene at the end with obi-wan when he's talking about padme and anakin i thought that was great when he meets luke at the end and the hello there with the t is it the t16 the skyhopper he's got in his hand the toy she's beautiful it's brilliant but then there's reva and this whole thing of her at the, i'm going to get into the bad stuff now but at the end of the last episode she's laying in the dirt this episode she's on tatooine and they're still flying out of the orbit of the planet they've just left and she, she's got there in seconds i just I'm sure Jess has got an explanation for it, but it drove me mad. I'm like, what the hell is going on? And the bit with Vader, so they're pursuing on the Star Destroyer. So first thing, the music they use there is great because it's The Empire Strikes Back when I think the Falcon's trying to get away from Vader at the end of the movie. is that, the like that thumping music and it's, there's a real empire strike Back tones coming through there and instead of saying to the, sh- to the inquisitor right you follow the ship their ship with the uh, star destroyer and the squadrons of tie fighters in the hangar bays and i'll jump in my shuttle and i'll go after obi-wan they turned the whole star destroyer around and go after obi-wan like, jesus christ it's like it's just so the storytelling sometimes really lets this down there's so much good stuff out in there <laughs> but I'm, I'm, I'm really struggling with some of the decisions they're making so the five
4: would- explains that Episode 5 explains that
1: well, uh, um, go on then.
4: Right so the flashbacks Right and and so I've got An issue with Anakin's instructional Technique he doesn't understand the bathtub Technique where you start off on a positive Take him down and then leave On a positive bathtub technique, Tried and tested military thing However your need for victory It blinds you Ben says this to Anakin Whilst they're fighting your need for victory Blinds you that explains that so he's just like, I want Kenobi, I want Kenobi. He's got the blinkers on. He's not thinking strategically. He's just tactically in the weeds of I want Kenobi. He's not thinking about the bigger picture. And you can see it when the Inquisitors and everyone's like, mm, are you really sure about this? Vader's like, yes, do this. None of the Inquisitors are gonna dare challenge him because of what his reputation's like. I mean, come on, you've seen Empire. Anyone challenges, dead. right? they don't want to die right so they're just like oh fine yeah we'll follow you you're messing up but we'll follow you so his need for it blinds him it's all explained. Just watch it again, mate. Right. Explain,
1: I love it. explain Reva's travels to me then. How does she get to Tatooine And the time it's taken them to catch up with the past ship? Like the whole lightsaber getting stabbed with a lightsaber is getting ridiculous now. Qui-Gon yeah. is the only person to ever die with getting stabbed by a lightsaber. The Inquisitor yeah. came back. Kylo Ren got healed by the Skywalker. Reva's been stabbed through twice and survives. You know, in, in Revenge of the Sith, before Jedi went into to fight Palpatine, they got relatively got scratched and they mm. were dead. But now in this yeah. Disney era, there's no stakes at all. You get stabbed with a lightsaber, you're back the next episode.
4: Mm. I kind of get that. Yeah, I do get that. I'm, you know, I'm not defending everything. She had a very, very good medic with her. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah it did it spoiled it for yeah. me a, bit, a little bit there's some great stuff in this episode but the, 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 and I, you know what you were saying at the start about the actress and the abuse she got completely out of order and yeah. you know I wasn't aware of a lot of that and a lot of it was early on before some of this stuff but by the end of this series it's really turned me off that character coming back into Star Wars now because I just think that it's just jumped the shark too many times with it and I didn't think she was that compelling that she deserved to live she should have died and in the original script for the movie I can't forget the name of chap who wrote it now, stuart bt she, she died at the end of it she should have died mm. at the end of that movie there was no need for her to go back after luke and i get they wanted the whole redemption arc for her but could have just ended there in the dirt so all you really get is the line from the inquisitor at the end of the, that episode to explain it and he says revenge does wonders for the will to live don't you think mm. and that's that's the only reason that she's back on tatooine trying to get luke is revenge on vader yeah but there you go i suppose darth moll's Ma- the other example yeah, as, a, as the uh, the, re- the revenge is a uh, gives you a reason to live.
4: Oh yeah, he the Kenobi bad. Hello, third sister.
3: Revenge does wonders for the will to live, don't you think? Your rage was
5: useful. Now it is tiresome. We will leave you where we found you, in the gutter where you belong.
4: Goodbye, Grand Inquisitor. But don't let it. Ruin your overall experience. You know there's bits. You know in Jedi when Chewie's doing his Tarzan swing, and there's there's bits of the OT which I'm like, oh, that's a bit rubbish. I still love the OT, so I agree with you. There are some bits of this, and there are other bits which I'm like, nah. but the good far far outweigh the bad,
1: not even bad. I agree. I and, agree. Yeah. But it does make me. And we don't want to go into the whole. Slagging off Disney thing, but they could have. They could have just. There was nine writers on this across the six episodes. Nine writers, which maybe that's not an uncommon thing. It just seems there was a lot of cooks in the in the kitchen. It went through. Went from a movie to being a show. There was rewrites in lockdown. I think they were, they were about to start production. They paused it, Things got changed around, and I think you can tell that there's been a lot of fingers in this pie. But that's not to say there aren't moments to love. I mean, all Star Wars has got strong moments. It's whether or not they all they all hang together at the end.
0: Do you know what else we see in that episode? Little little Leah and Corin Horn making friends on the transport. Yeah. Who knows where that's gonna lead?
4: Does he become Luke's mate or something like that? He's
0: a key player in the rogue.
4: rogue Squadron? Yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah. So he's a sort of force sensitive pilot, ex Karelian security kind of cop. But yeah, he was a good character. Do you think everyone living in a cave is part of some sort of self imposed, you know, hair shirt wearing punishment for his failures and that when he achieved a bit of closure, he thought, it's time to go and buy a nice little house. Yeah. So he packed off and went to went to buy that nice property.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yodas and a little hovel on Dagobah. Were you disappointed we only got as much as Qui-Gon as we got? I thought that was a bit a bit of an afterthought. He says like eight mm. words. They must have been paying Liam Neeson by the word. I really <laughs> wanted a scene where it was kind of like, yeah, I know I tra- told you to train the boy and I messed up or... Just just something to acknowledge the their the history. It was kinda of like he hadn't seen the guy for what is it at that point, twenty years? And he's like, Master Qui-Gon. And it's like, Come on, we've got a ways to go. And like, <laughs> I, I wanted to see that conversation. I you should be careful what you wish for, I know, but I would have liked to have um oh my had it a, a little bit more sick. meaningful than just riding through the desert.
4: <laughs> That's classic Qui-Gon though, isn't it? That relationship, immediately they were back to where they were. You know, him sort of almost berating him and Yeah. And and it's it's Kenobi it's not called the Obi-Wan Qui-Gon Jinn it's I thought it was a great series and that was the perfect way to end it I was happy mate I, I didn't I wasn't left wanting more at all I just I thought that was appropriate
1: any thoughts on Qui-Gon appearing as a force ghost in in kind of old Lucasfilm law the only, or George Lucas law the only two Jedi that had ever accomplished reaching that status where they could become force ghosts was Yoda and Obi-Wan because they'd had the training from. Qui-Gon. Qui-Gon didn't reach that, that level, although he could still retain his consciousness, he couldn't appear as a force ghost. So they kind of rewritten some of Lucas's old lore. Is it, I haven't particularly gone looking on the internet to see people's thoughts on that, but have you guys heard anything or got any thoughts on that?
4: No, I mean t- it made sense to me because of what was said at the end of Sith. Yeah. So I, I was expecting it for right. a couple of reasons. One, fan service, to the intro at the beginning of episode one, where there was a bit of a focus on him. And uh, yeah, just thought, why not? So to me, it made sense.
1: In Immortals Trilogy in Clone Wars, he appears as a Force ghost. And Obi-Wan says to him, how can you appear? He goes, because this place is really strong with a Force. It's enabling me to, to show myself to you. And then in the later episodes, I think it was some of the the, late, the missing episodes where Yoda goes on the mission to understand more about the Force, and I think he, end, I think it's Degabar he ends up on, and there's the spirit of Qui Gon's talking to him, and I think there's a conversation there about the difference between retaining your consciousness and appearing as a Force ghost, and that he hadn't reached that level, so he's obviously um, been doing some more training in depth to be able to do that.
0: Yeah, because Yoda's words are something like you be able to commune with him. Yes. It? Yeah.
1: Okay, well, this did blow
3: everything else out of the water when it came to the ratings, so on IMDB eight point four out of ten, number one by a, a country mile, and on generation skywalker four point seven nine out of five, which relates to a huge like nine point what six if it was uh doubled up, and that was also first. So um the battle clearly resonating with the fans. What do you think I should do?
5: I think you should sleep. I think you're right. Leia. When I said before that I didn't know your parents, Princess Leia Organa, you are wise, discerning, Kind-hearted. These are qualities that came from your mother. But you're also passionate and fearless. Forthright. And these are gifts from your father. Both were exceptional people. Will I ever see you again? Maybe. Someday. If you ever need help from a tired old man. But we must be careful. No one must know, or it could endanger us both.
0: Goodbye,
5: obi Goodbye, Princess. May the Force be with you.
3: We've, we've discussed what what people have thought about it, what we've seen online as we've gone through that. What do we think about the overall project? I mean, let's go through one of you at a time. Um, let's start with you, Craig. As a, as a complete project, what is your overall feeling a month after it finishes?
0: I think Ewan made this work. I think we've, you know, we've touched on his performance, but I just think it was it was Stella and his return to the role just, you know, has made all the difference. I mean, he's he managed to be in turn the prequel Obi Wan and the Alec Guinness Obi Wan at the same time, and also, you know, he's in his prime Sassy animated Clone Wars Obi Wan, even though. Hugh McGregor personally didn't have anything to do with that performance. It was all in there, and as just as said earlier, a lot of it was done without the dialogue. Uh, and I think that it was just such a a great performance. I think he's a well loved character. I think he's a well loved actor. I think his appearance, at uh, celebration, his response to the to the reaction that, that the Reaver character got, all kind of points. And I think it all it, it's all in my sort of feelings for this show. I think the Leah plot. Subverted expectations. I think in the back of everyone's mind, we kind of know what everyone was doing and were probably expecting a story based on Tatooine with him, you know, managing a few Tuscans and some local scuffles like the John Jackson Miller book did. But they couldn't really do that after the book of Boba Fett. So they had to get him off planet. They had to give him more stuff to do. And, and using Leo was the perfect sort of impetus for that. They were twins, they were as important as, as each other. So I kind of bought that. Entirely, I think we know it was going to be a movie. And as, as Dan said, it's gone through lots of changes. I think, you know, I really enjoyed it as a, as a show. I think it was let down by a number of things. I think there were some TV level effects. I think there were times where the volume looked very flat. In some scenes, you, it wasn't much more than a stage you might see at the West End with a big digital screen behind it. That I think that let it down. And there were so many cargo crates and containers as <laughs> standing in for set dressing. I think alongside that, there was some functional dialogue. There was lots of, you go and do this thing while I go and do that thing. And then that thing would happen. So I think there was a bit of polishing that was missing in, in some of the, the dialogue. And there were clearly some dips in, in writing and sort of the logic of it all. And there was some very sort of cartoony Thundercats level of things happening just in time. You know, they'd just given the slip just in time. And then the, the, the snowspeeders is arrived just in time. There was a lot of that. Kind of going on, which I guess is, you know, it's a TV thing and it's an episodic thing, but some of it was just a bit like, OK, yeah. they are far outweighed by the the spectacle of it all and the emotion, the emotion. There's a lot of feels in this. And I think it, it, it grabbed me from from that respect. I think some of the criticism leveled at it from other other parties were around what it does to continuity and canon and well if that happened what about this and I think there is a danger with squeezing these shows in between stories that we know there is an established order of events so I think in some ways this really enriched certain parts of the original trilogy especially like the ending of Return of the Jedi and Luke getting to to see Anakin with his own eyes for the first time, and there were moments in this show. It's the first time I've seen Vader on screen. Really believed it was Anakin in there, <laughs> maybe because because it was. But it really did a good job of just making that work that that leap from, from Anakin to the Vader from the original trilogy. But at the same time, it did detract. You know, there were we, we're now expected to believe that Leah knew Ben when she recorded that message, but. She didn't know him as a general, <laughs> which is how she uh, how she should have named him. And, you know, we're now expected to believe that under those robes, parts of him were as burnt up as Vader. And that when Lear is asked by Luke if she remembers her mother, she doesn't say, well, Obi-Wan told me that she was wise and discerning and kind hearted. It leaves these little moments which don't quite line up. And I think they do need to start playing in new spaces with new characters. Otherwise, it's going to become very clogged and, and 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 gummed up and not quite work but i totally see i totally see why they did this you know particularly with, with with you and being the actor he is and the age that he is it's kind of a no-brainer to to make this top of the priority list for a for a show to be made
1: interesting uh dan you want to go out on a high note then with jez do you <laughs> <laughs> If you haven't tell, I've struggled with this show a bit, I, I, you know, and hearing all the stuff in the last couple of weeks about what this was originally envisioned as, you know, it's going to be a trilogy of movies. And this was this series was adapted from the from the first movie script. I think only one script or treatment was written. And I don't think there's huge amounts of differences there. I think there was only Reba was the only Inquisitor in it. Like I mentioned, she died. I think the final battle was I'd heard was going to be Vader and Obi-Wan fighting on a on a crashing um, space station going into the atmosphere of a planet just little nuggets of stuff we, we're hearing but I really do feel that it suffers from its length I don't think it needed to be uh, I don't know if you added up all the minutes Jez has got the timers but it's got to be around the four and a half hours mark everything with like Craig has said with with Obi-Wan with Vader is done he's done brilliantly Ewan's performance is, is stellar I think like I said before the representation of Vader really excited me you know it was Empire Strikes Back era Darth Vader being a bad guy killing people snapping necks loved all of that stuff but everything around it the characters introduced none of them you know maybe with the exception of leia but there wasn't any any other standouts there everything else was was set dressing you know I, I, Hadja probably a name i can remember reaver but i couldn't probably tell you the, the names of many other characters
0: what about paul wade
1: <laughs>
0: we, we all mourned Paul Wade's demise for about two minutes on screen
1: yeah so I did I did yeah I, I I think the Anakin and Vader stuff brilliant it was always going to be brilliant could have been done in a movie I think the the Reva fight with Vader was really good getting to see more of Alderaan I think that was interesting we saw it like a shot at the end of Revenge of the Sith and it was I think it was good to see that Puts what happens in A New Hope into context a little bit more when that planet's destroyed. I thought Aunt Brew and Owen. You know, certainly Owen. I think his performance was brilliant, and he was challenging Phil Brown exceptionally well. You know, I really bought him as Owen. I thought the young, the young Anakin and Obi Wan Jaw was 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 good. I know um, Craig, you, you struggled with with the de aging, but I, I thought it was I thought it was still good to see them in that you know that that Coruscant Jedi Temple environment and, and seeing them just relax and having a bit of fun. I know they were swinging lightsabers at each other, but it felt like they were, were enjoying themselves and it helps build up that relationship a little bit more some of the stuff we saw in clone wars really that we didn't really see in in, in the other prequel movies so much in terms of the 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 aesthetic of it i think after the th- other than the stuff that was on tatooine and some of the stuff when they were i think on the planet name escapes me in the third episode it was all very dark it was all very sound stagey i didn't think the camera work was particularly good the location uninspired too dark i don't think if this was book of boba fett i'd be having these criticisms of it i'd probably go with it a bit more but because it is such an integral part of star wars lore you know obi-wan darth vader anakin it should have had that spectacle and it should have been it should have been a movie that's all i keep thinking about it and well i go back and watch it of course i will there's some fantastic stuff in there you know the obi-wan jewels with, with vader are brilliant i love it every second of them or every second of vader being in it and there's some there's some there's some really good action in it i did enjoy a lot of it but i've got some some big problems with it they should have they should have done a movie and i really hope they don't do a second series of this
3: okay
1: i'm glad it wasn't a
4: movie i think disney are a little bit scared of movies when you consider look at their recent back catalogue from solo style story on i think disney and probably a little bit concerned about that whereas when you have the subscription which they have with disney plus and it's you know guaranteed money coming in regardless i, I think they're onto a short fire bet there i hope that they go back to movies but i think this worked if it was a movie this was 279 minutes in total with the intros and with the you know playbacks and with the credits etc etc. So you, know, you could probably easily take off half an hour of that, but that's still well well over three hours forty or so. So I don't know. There's stuff which you could cut out, but I liked the fact that it was Disney Plus. I liked the fact that I could sit down with my you know, wife and kids and watch it. My my daughter heard how good it was from her little network of friends she said to me the other day that i want to go back and watch all of star wars again before i watch this that's how invested she was or how much her friends had told her no you must watch it so she watched four five six then one two and three and was ready for it i saw her watch this and then we watched the last episode together soon as the credits went up my 16 nearly 17 year old daughter just said that was brilliant she loved it so it's working from a generational point of view. Yeah, I have got some issues. I do. Some of the CGI wasn't great. That's fine. It's TV show. I mean, look at Doctor Who for crying out loud and how popular that is. You know, I, you know, I can forgive some of that. You know, some of the running around, the 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 age of, of Leah. Now I know Carrie Fisher, tiny little wee dot of a lady. So that's why you know people might have been going, she doesn't look ten. Maybe people could have said the same about Carrie back then. Yeah, I had other slight irks. Chapter 3, when uh, when they shot the stormtroopers, and prior to meeting Tala, there was the laser barrier. And it's like, oh, yeah, need to get through that. Let's shoot this. Oh, right, and let's turn this off and shoot it. Could have just walked around. Could have just walked around the laser barrier. I was like, okay, it's a bit of a waste of a shot. Um, you know, someone sneaking around the corridor, et cetera. However, minor gripes. I've already told you about how this threads it all through to me, the humor, the relationships, the fact that this has undoubtedly told you Ben's story. But explain to you why Princess Leah, why General Leia Organa was such. This showed leadership like you hadn't seen in the OT. In the OT, you saw a brief in some rebel troops in Empire Strikes Back, but you saw so much in this. I loved it, guys. I've said this for the last three hours. I don't need to say any more.
3: Fantastic. Thank you. Cheers. just want to task you something with here, Craig. You're saying that they're, they're fitting in stories. I think things like this and that have actually bridged a gap between the prequels and the OT. I think that the prequels are becoming a little bit more loved and a little bit more linked with the OT due to programs like this. Just tying them all up. And I'd like to see the same happen with the sequels. I mean, who doesn't want a, a spin-off of Laura Dern's show?
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I take your point. And, and I think um, I think they got away with this one. I think you're right. I think that there was there was a story to tell, but I, I think they need to move on there.
3: Okay. Agreed, agreed. Okay, so I think we're all saying no second series. Dan said it. I think there was no plan for it until the success of this show from a viewing point of view.
0: I think they sowed some seeds here that they could easily pick up with other shows. Let's have a show where Quinlan comes in and we we learn more about the path you know let's do some flashbacks to those frozen jedi through grogu and the mandalorian and dr Pershing and what was going on with that i think those things can be picked up in the whole of the the, the mandoverse and and things that are spinning off out of that so i think a lot of that stuff isn't dead in the water. It wasn't a fortress inquisitorious pun, but I think there's stuff in there that can be developed and it must be really tempting for them to have Obi-Wan jet off on other adventures around the galaxy. But you've got Cassian for that. You know, Cassian is going to fulfill that role. Yeah. Obi-Wan's story is that he was the Stoic Watcher and that was his sacrifice and his atonement. And it's what gave Luke's position in the story the significance it had like the farm boy with one of the most esteemed Jedi of the order as his personal guardian and guiding hand for 20 years so I think you know it sort of served to show Obi-Wan that the galaxy was still fighting achieve some closure on his failure with Anakin you know and that will give him his mission on Tatarina renewed focus And, and Vader gets a telling off from the Emperor and he looks like he's moving on too so I think that's it just leave it there
4: I think Roken O'Shea Jackson Jr son of Ice Cube Straight out of Coruscant, <laughs> he he could he could do something. And who else? So Leah, Vivian, Leah Blair. She's got more of stories to give. Right? There there is stuff between this and Episode Four. The way when she sees Vader for the first time, oh, Darth Vader. Only you could be so bold. She's brushing him off. She's not fearing him. She's not afraid of him. Why? There's there is more there, and you've got such fantastic young actress. If they needed to, in a few years' time, they could say, "Let's let's have a little look at the Leah stories, because she isn't tied to anything necessarily." I don't know. I just I think you're right. I think I think this has encapsulated it wonderfully, and um, you don't need to milk it. There's more things to do.
1: Yeah, I think some of the characters are going to appear in Andor. That's the rumor, anyway. So that that, that guy. <laughs> God, I can't even know his character's name The one that Obi-Wan said to him, oh, you'd be a strong leader Don't stop moving people okay. Yeah We're, just, we're looking yeah. at him Potentially being in Andor As part of the Rebel Alliance So Andor's set five years after this isn't it And five years before
3: Rogue One So bang in the middle of the um those two links So I mean there's so much place that Andor can go And apparently I don't know how true it was But Diego Luna Actually leaked that In a panel I think last weekend That there's 12 episodes of Andor So if that is true that's a big series compared to what we've seen. Yeah. Previous. So, um, oh, yeah. It's going to be great. Yeah. That, that was amazing. amazing. Right then, boys. Let's have it. A rating out of 10 for this. I'm going in a certain order.
1: I'm coming to you first, Daniel. It was a six. Jez has talked me around. It's now a seven. So, matching my score for Book of Boba Fett. Seven. Higher than what I was expecting, Craig? Eight. Eight? Eight. Jez? <sighs>
3: Easy eight and a half. 8.5. Interesting. I was going to go 8.3. Master Qui-Gon.
0: Well, took
5: you long enough. Beginning to think you'd never come. I was always here, Obi-Wan. You just were not ready to see you. Come on, you've got a ways to go.
3: let's just give our social media a shout out if you want to watch the enhanced it is already out there it's over on youtube go and check for generation skywalker on there hit the subscribe button a lot's going on on youtube of course we're all over social media check our instagram check facebook check tiktok check twitter just search for generation skywalker and of course on facebook we also have the we are generation skywalker community page which uh just stick we are at the beginning hey simple as that um you can go to www.generationskywalker.com to find links to everything boys july we had two shows at the start of it it is the summer we will still be releasing shows but not as um probably not as prolific as attack of the clones month but we will be popping up here and there with all our favourite shows and a few extra bits and pieces. Of course, we'll have a wrap-up show for Andor. That's going to flow straight into Mando. So, I'm looking forward to deep diving in there. And uh, Daniel moaning, oh, Cassian. He was he was downstairs, and then all of a sudden he was upstairs, and we never saw him go up the stairs. <laughs> 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 yeah that's what we love him for uh, boys anything <laughs> else to say about Kenobi before I shut this up
4: what do we miss what did you see that we've missed not you to the listeners the watchers what do we miss what do we miss
3: yep come over to any of our social media and strike those conversations but it is boys for this show goodbye from Dan Cheerio. it's goodbye from Craig goodbye it's goodbye from Jez
4: see you next time
3: and it is goodbye from me we're Generation Skywalker, all eras, all passions, all Star